FMX Network Production. You cast me, complete me till death do us part. What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. This is Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show. This is the number one wrap-up show in the moto industry, where each week, myself and a couple guests wrap up and discuss the good, the bad, and the janky in that week's Pulp MX Show. But before we get started, I want to thank all the sponsors who've come on board. Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, Seal Savers, and Motosport.com. I appreciate all the help and support from those great companies, so please use them and support them. Also, feel free to reach out with questions, comments, or critiques by emailing me, darkside at pulpmex.com. All right, let's wrap this thing up. Wacko, Zacko, how's your backo? Yeah. Who would have ever thought Steve is being a track snack? Yeah, I mean, RJ was the man for me as a kid. You're not putting your foot out. Holy shit. Listen, Steve, you're, you're playing dumb here. X-Men goggle tear-offs. The whack computer strikes again. Did you think you hit it more than once? It shows didn't it's they, playing right now. Didn't they say right now, earlier that they don't what about make mistakes? Mute? What about mute, Steve? Not on mute. Oh, wait. Oh, That's on me. Oh. You had me off. That was on oh, me. Oh, oh. I'm just some idiot with a microphone. Oh. Hit it again. Who do you think you are, Rick Johnson? <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, Daniel, by hey, the way, bro. you're doing a great fucking job, bro. I love, I love listening to your shit. Thank you. Uh, hello, Jeremy. And he goes, yeah. And I go, it's Ricky Johnson. He's like, bullshit, who is this? <laughs> You've absolutely, like, destroyed Phil's yeah, confidence. you almost made him quit, right? You almost made him quit. So if he has a shitty start to the Nationals, I kind of blame you, Zacho, because you just destroyed him. I'm not giving you the opportunity to run around and tell your friends you, you whipped my ass. No, <laughs> it ain't happening. I probably shouldn't have been such a dick. I probably right. should have said, hey, congratulations. <laughs> no, no. Job. You did a great He's... job, but my ego had to jump in there and, and you, be an asshole. You scarred him. Yeah, you scarred him life. I got to beat the thirty-second time yeah, clock before Steve good. starts whining. I think the husky var- husk of husky gar- husky varney. I think husky varney. Daniel just lit up a smoke. Suck on that, Mark. Welcome back after two a two-week break. The outcry of disappointment, not having a wrap-up show. It's been heard, guys. We're back. If you don't know, I'm Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show, and I'm brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires. My first guest of the night, my first co-host. Brought to you by Guts Racing from Verb Moto and Red Bull Moto Spy Show, Wes Williams. What is up? Yo. Hey, wait. Where's the applause? So, where'd you, you don't have that sound effect? I, you know what? I, del- I took it out of the board, actually. It's gone. Uh, you know. <laughs> oh, uh, hello, ladies and gentlemen. I can hear you all up there. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I have a bunch of uh, drops in here where, like, Steve says how much he loves the Moto X-Pod show. And Dark Side, though, I have those. Okay, hey, that that could work. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like it sounds like Verb West. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. What's up, man? It's great to finally have you on here. Uh, I also want to introduce next up a regular wrap-up co-host, brought to you by Seal Savers from Race Tech. It's Checkers. What's up? Not much. Just taking a break from butt whips and airways to hang out with you guys for a bit. That's so funny. Like when you guys said, "Like I need ten minutes," I instantly like, logged on to Mad, Mad Skills Three. And uh, tried to do some butt whips. <laughs> so yeah, I haven't unlocked them yet. I've uh, 
I'm bad at that game, and so I get like one race in and throw my phone and don't look at it for another couple hours. And I believe you have to unlock the rips, is what I heard. Yeah, you have to get through like the first little series or whatever. I'm on, I think, on the third series or third. Se- I've been playing quite a bit. I was actually playing while Pulp was was on. Like the last hour of the show, the app actually got released early, and I downloaded it. So I was learning to play while listening to Pulp Monday night. So I'm with checkers. It pisses me off so bad. I yeah. Just, uh, I play for like 10 minutes and then like a year later, I'm like, you know what? I'll try that again. Wow. Then another year. Another year goes by. I play mad skills too all the time, man. I do the daily challenge. It's relatively new. I had Brian on <laughs> the other night. Uh, I'm actually, I don't know if Steve knows this yet, but I asked Brian to reach out to Steve and I want a Pulp MX versus Moto X pod show track. So he Ooh. said, he said, no problem as long as Steve okays it. So we'll see what happens. But anyway, hey, man, this week it's show 465 with Daniel Blair and John Anderson in studio, Zach Osborne, Ian Treadle, the Noof, the bad boy Ricky Johnson, and special guest Jeremy McGrath all joined via phone. Wes, man, uh, you said you just finished listening. You've been busy guy about an hour ago. What was your favorite part <laughs> of the show, man? Uh, the, honestly, it was a great show for me to have to listen to. I, I love Pulp when I do get to listen. It's just feel far between, even though you would think that I listen to it a lot for Motospy. I, uh, I have people that do that because normally I'm either shooting and or editing. So I don't normally get to listen. So it was a, it was actually really fun to get to check it out. And, uh, the lineup was epic. I have to shout out my boy Ian Treadle. I grew up with him racing filming. He was one of the first, uh, am dudes that I ever had the pleasure of shooting back in 03. So, uh, very long history with him, and uh, yeah, I'm going to go with him for my fave. Awesome. How about you, Checkers? Do you have a favorite, and you can't say the Race Tech rant this week? <laughs> um, absolutely, the, the McGrath and Ricky Johnson. Um, yeah, I love that RJ is super unplugged, and uh, as far as he doesn't care if he upsets anyone, he's going to speak <laughs> his mind and how he feels, and he's such a good storyteller. And McGrath's, I mean, he's my hero. You know, he's the king. Um, and he's also very good, well-spoken, et cetera. I mean, yeah. I'm excited to see him around more. Him, when he was on Race Day Live this year, it was, it was unbelievable how it, good he was. It really was. I, Go ahead, Wes. I, I, was, I, I was thinking uh, Steve has probably thought he's made it a lot in his career so far, but uh, at that moment when Jeremy McGrath calls into your show to talk to Ricky Johnson, that might have been a, a, a moment where you're like, you know what? This is it. I've uh, I've accomplished what I needed to in the sport. I could retire. Oh God, his his head's swelling right now. If he's listening, I know, right? I, yeah, I hate I hate to say that. I mean, of course, yeah, whatever. But you know what, props to you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. definitely true. He uh, the race day live at Salt Lake City two, and I guess Salt Lake City one, obviously, was like right behind the press box, so we can hear it going on. And McGrath is doing his part during the day, and Pookie was at at Salt Lake City two, the finals. And she was like, you know, I could hear her and Steve talking, and she wanted a picture. So, you know how Steve is. Like, I don't know. He, he probably wasn't super excited about having to stop Jeremy and try to get a picture for Pookie, but he did it. And, it, like, we were trying to get pictures of him where it looked like he was, like, asking Jeremy for, like, you know, to take a picture. It was pretty funny. Uh, it, it was it was cool. McGrath was so gracious to spend some time with Pookie and Steve, and yeah, I, I have to agree though, checkers. That was my favorite part of the show Monday night was, geez, I mean, two of the coolest dudes in the sport ever, and we're gonna get to those guys, but I, I think that that was my favorite part. Also, 
Uh, man, I'm glad the show's back. It, it was a rough two weeks. I kind of needed a break, honestly, the first week, but the second week was tough. So uh, I'm glad they're back. Let's get into it. Guys, obviously Paula is in a few days, so the outdoors was a, a huge topic starting the starting the, off Monday night. Probably one of the main topics that they talked about all night. Let's listen to a little bit of audio, and we'll talk about it. Let's talk a little bit motocross. Which national are you looking forward to most, Daniel? I know this sounds kind of cheap, but the first one. Yeah. I mean, I'm just fired up because there's both classes look really, really good. But I really like that they gave them a break. You know, for some yeah, reason. Three weeks off. And, and, I, yeah. and, I, and like you mentioned, this is the longest break they've ever had. Yep. So it gives people a chance to get healthy, remotivated. And I think, and, too, um, so we're going later in September, and the Disnations is going to only be two weeks after the last national. So maybe that'll keep guys motivated, you know. Yep. Again, just that little bit of a reset, even for like Cooper Webb. Yep. When these guys, I, mean, I think Tomac last year really felt the effects of the hangover. So for Webb, I want to see him motivated this summer and not just coming off of a championship and being like, oh, I got to start over. So I feel like giving him the extra time yep. makes him want to be more motivated. I agree. Too. I agree. And also, if you're looking at past Supercross champions that did have a bit of a hangover, wow. Webb's already got one. This is his second Supercross title. So now, like, he's one title short of the perfect winning everything we have to win yeah. in the sport. you got to think a, a guy like Cooper Webb will be like, I, I need this for the outdoors for my legacy, quote-unquote, for my you know, my, my, my career. Like, I need to win everything, right, indoors and out, and he's missing one. Checkers, I'm going to start with you. A lot of talk, obviously, they brought it multiple times, the, the extra long break in between Supercross and outdoors. Uh, they had the press conference today, and that was brought up a few times. I mean, I think... Steve and DB and, and John Anderson are 100% right. I think everybody's in agreement. That extra time, it's, it's, I mean, it's well needed, and it's gonna, I think it's going to keep everybody healthy. I think they were right on 100% on point. Yeah, definitely. Um, there was a big topic of conversation. You kept hearing them say, the break, the break, the break. And, I mean, that's a um, – last year the topic of conversation was the – you know, the, the mix up of the schedule and multiple races and in supercross multiple in a week and whatnot. So it is another schedule curveball kind of thrown at the guys, but I think this is a positive for everybody involved. I don't think there's a negative for anyone um, other than maybe some of the fans got a little stir crazy, but even for me, I think Daniel <laughs> mentioned it as a fan. It was a nice break as well. Um, and I do want to see how that affects web. The other thing about it is, the Supercross hangover thing, thing that we've kind of been discussing and we've seen happen, that's all that we've had a lot of first time champions, and it seems like that's really overwhelming on them. Yep. Um, it doesn't seem to be as bad for a guy when they win it the second time, anyways. So I think things are looking really, really well for Cooper Webb with the longer break and it being a second title that he's done it. And I have to agree with, I believe as Steve brought up, that Webb has to really want that last box checked on his resume of, I want everything possible. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I, I don't know if either one of you had a chance to watch the press conference from today, but that that was what Cooper actually said. Uh, he said he learned after the first one, you know, the first championship in 19, what to expect, and he was more prepared for it this year. Um, and he uh, he said absolutely it's he wants that championship. Uh, it, you know, he is somewhat thinking about the, like what he's going to leave behind when he's done, the legacy, and that's the only one he hasn't gotten. He wants it, uh, Wes. What do you think of what we just heard? And, of course, you've filmed and spent a lot of time with Cooper. So, I mean, that's a topic you probably know all too, all, all about. Yeah, you can't argue that the dude 
as a warrior, like I think Ian Treadle said on the show, uh, man, you, you can't argue with that whatsoever. And even someone at Aonia this past week can come up to me and is like, dude, Moto Spy just made me such a fan of Webb because of, you know, how savage he is. Like, you can't count that dude out ever again. And, right. Uh, later on, they they, uh, they talked about uh, Roxton and, and kind of changed my perspective on him a little bit. So, like, I don't know. I think I think we might end up seeing another Coop Web showdown. But nonetheless, that, that three-week break, uh, I think whether you're a rider, media, a team manager, a mechanic, it did everybody a damn good uh, solid. So I'm, I'm glad they did it, and I hope, I hope moving forward they realize that this fucking kills us. I'm sorry for the language, but like <laughs> if you're part of the media, if you're if you're part of any of it, doing 17 rounds a week, a week quote unquote off, and then go right back into basically 12 rounds, like it's brutal. And if you live that life, I, I mean, I, I guess Phil knows it. They go to every damn round, so sure. Um, I mean, it's it's I don't know. It, it was it was really cool to see that they uh, actually gave a bit of reprieve. So hopefully they they keep doing that. Yeah, I agree with everybody that was high. You know, showing positive uh, feedback on that extra time on the break. I think Dylan Ferrandez talked about it today. I mean, I, I can't – they can't just overlook it. I, I mean, I guess they could, but they shouldn't. So, hopefully they won't. Um, yeah, Wes, you do all the rounds. Well, so later on, they, you, Daniel saying hopefully uh, that they want, might go to 19 and 20 rounds. I was like, oh, God, please. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh yeah. Well, as as a fan, that'd be great. But uh, otherwise, yeah, not so that, good. that's it. I, I I think if you're a fan, if, if you're a fan, great. If you're anybody else, you're like, no, no, right. No. Who's got the? Somebody's got a killer dog in the background. I can... Yeah, sorry, my my dogs are deciding to freaking chase each other. Uh, they haven't been playing all day, so apparently they decide as soon as I get now's the time. time to, now's the time. So I'll they, come back outside. Apparently, they don't know the power of the wrap up show. Yeah, yeah, they don't want me to sit inside in the AC. They're like, yo, Dad, come kill us. That sucks. Well, all right, so every year it's talked about the field stacked. This year, I mean, I think you can't argue that. The guys talked about it. Uh, here's what they said. When you look at Tomac, Marvin, Roxon, Webb, Osborne, AC, and Sexton, that's, your, that's seven guys. So then it leaves Anderson and Craig and Plessinger and Barsha and Ferrandez. That's already 12 guys. Like, if, if Dylan Ferrandez goes 12-12 at the opening now, around, he's going to be so angry. He'll be devastated. Right. And he might ride really well. Every one of these guys I just listed figure they're going to be a top five guy. I see Eli, Marv, Roxon, Webb, Osborne, Adam, maybe Sexton taking this home. Do you agree? I'm going to tighten that up a little bit, and here's why. I feel like I take the bait every year, especially in Supercross. I'm more involved with yeah. it. It's no, Webb, Rocks, and Tomac. four or five guys that win, win, win a race. Win races, but it yeah. ends up yeah. being, for me, those same yeah. three the last couple of years in a row. So yeah. I, as much as I'm in on a couple of those guys, like I think there's intrigue that they could. Right. When it's all said and done, halfway through this thing, it's going to be two or three guys I think that will break away. Always and, is. And I think, it to me, it's Tomac, Rocks, and Webb. Adam got second in the points last year. He made I all know, 24 second in the points. So that was, you know, how are you going to say he can't be in there or, or whatever? I know what you're saying, Daniel. I agree with you. We always talk about this and that, and then it ends up being a depleted field. But, man, you can make a case for Marvin AC to be right in there with Roxon, Webb, and Tomac. And, and Osborne, of course. And yeah. then Sexton won the last round last year. Right. Uh, Wes, I'll, I'll go with you first. It's funny. Like, Monday morning, I, I got a DM from somebody, and they was like, hey, where do you think uh, Max Ansey finishes? You know, and I, was, I just kind of quickly thought about it. I was like, ah, oh, you know, seven to nine. You know, I, I didn't really think about everybody in, in, in the series. I just, that's just where my mind went. And then I started looking at these names after I responded. And then, like what Steve says, 
there's 12 guys that all should win or could win. I mean, do you agree that it's this year that it's going to come down to probably three guys after a few rounds? It's just going to work itself out like normal? Because I don't. It, inevitably, it always does, dude. Like, I, I, would, I, I want to say it won't, but it will. It always does, okay. no matter what. Even the Supercross season, like, what were we, five rounds in and everybody's separated by 10 points? It's going to be the gnarly yeah. season drag out to the end. And that's what you thought it would be. And then just like they said on the show, someone clips their ankle. They're out for the summer. This dude does this. He's out for the summer. Osborne might throw his back out again. It wasn't all the way healed. Now he's out. Now you're down to three dudes again. Um, Yeah, inevitably, I think it's going to be those three dudes. And going to Ricky Johnson's point that he said in the show, like, ego, I still think, gets in the way of the younger guys. Coop, Tomac, and Roxon. They just know when fifth place is good enough. Um, of course, they want to win, but they know they know what the long haul needs. And I think Sexton and AC still get in the trap of like when they're second or first, getting it, letting it go to their head a little bit and, and start riding over, over, over their heads maybe. Yeah. Uh, maybe, or maybe not over their heads, but you know, start getting in their own head. You know, halfway through the race, and then like uh, what we saw with eight, what was it? Uh, Loretta's one or Loretta's two when when AC went down. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think inevitably it ends up being those three dudes. And, and I, I going back to the last question, I think it'll end up being between uh, Kenny and Coop again. Okay, I, I have something to say about that in a second, but I want to get Checker's thoughts first. Um, I, I, I guess I'm being overly uh, positive, but I just feel like there's going to be more. That, I think there's going to be five or six guys tight the whole time. But what do you think, Checker's? I mean, Steve and Daniel, are they, are they right? And I'm just an idiot. I mean, I think the first um, six motors of the year or so, you will you will definitely see that. Um, we've seen in the past, the opener is always kind of a wild card. Yeah. Maybe a little less so this year, again, with the bigger break. And also with it being at, at Paula, um, when it was a Hangtown opener, that track's a little weird anyways, and it's really demanding um, on both the body, body and the motorcycle as far as setting it up and, and that side of things. So I think that helped it be a little more of an anomaly. Um, or Glen Helen, the same thing. Like it was such a different gnarly track. Um, where Paul is really, the guys know it. It's more of a standard racetrack. So I don't think uh, you can read a lot off of that. So then that leaves about another four motos of guys to kind of see where they're at. And then that that running order, pecking order is kind of decided for most guys. You might have a guy that's, um, say, a Chase Sexton or something like that where they're not mentally defeated into being a fifth or sixth place guy or worse. Um, and he'll still keep trying to push to move it up there. But typically guys kind of fall in line. And the other thing, the nationals are just, they're so brutal. Yeah. That when you tweak an ankle or a knee or something, you might be able to ride through it for a round, but it eventually just keeps catching up. And then the injuries start stacking up. And whether you actually quit showing up to the races or it just pushes you further back in the pack, that's where, that's where the separation starts. Like there, there's so many things that happen that eliminate you from the title. You know, one bad moto is enough when you have guys that are the webs, rocks and stomachs that are, they're always there. They're always consistent. So I think no matter what you end up with a, a three rider fight at most um, about halfway through the year and then see who catches fire, um, who those three guys are. I can't necessarily say yet because there's, you can make a case for any of them. Exactly. I think it's, Staying out of trouble. There's a lot of speed. Um, there was a good point brought up that AC was second in the title last year and, and really strong at the end of the year, um, which I think, you know, hindsight's it's, it's so far away, I guess, um, because Supercross was more recent and 
we saw a lot of the same problems and injuries and stuff occur with him that we've seen in the past. But he was really good outdoors, and he was really good outdoors when he won his 250 title. So he can do the outdoor thing. Um, and Sexton's obviously really fast. He has a lot of good qualities. Yes, his Supercross season also wasn't that well, but we've seen a lot of rookies move into Supercross and struggle with crashes and injuries, but still be able to go outdoors and, and be just as good as they were um, on a 450 much earlier outdoors. So um, I don't necessarily can't say who the three guys will be, but I do think it does thin out to three guys. Um, if you're a Tomac or a Roxon and you're not having a good season and injuries start to pile up, it's, it's tough to stay motivated and stay out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't know, man. Like, so I want, again, I've referenced the press conference a couple of times already, but I, I am 100% out on Kenny Roxon after the press conference. He just didn't – he basically said, I'm not even that into the outdoors right now. I, my mind's not there. I asked him if he was could tell me why why we should think he's 100%. And he's like, yeah, I'm not, basically. Uh, he seemed depressed. I instantly was like, oof, this – I just don't feel there's anything good going to come out of outdoors for Ken this year. Uh, I, I had hopes, but I don't feel that at all after the press conference. That doesn't mean anything necessarily, but I, I definitely am not buying into him right now. Uh, and, and like Marvin, you know, Steve did mention Marvin is one of the guys, but I mean, I don't know if people realize in the last like five years, he's went fourth, third, second, second, third overall. Like there's no reason he can't be a top four or five guy right there. You know, with those other guys, Wes, I mean, I think he has something to you're prove. Right. He's, he's, yeah, you're right. Especially coming off that momentum in Supercross, right? Yeah. He's probably riding such a high. And you know what? We, we they, they kept referencing the uh, Supercross hangover. It's almost like Kenny has a Supercross hangover, but not like the good kind. He has yeah. the, the long lasting one. He drank way too much liquor, right? So, <laughs> um, so yeah, you know sure. what? Like, dude, it would be sick to see Marv come out swinging and, and be in the title hunt the whole time. So, b- believe me, me saying it's going to come down to three guys isn't what I hope. Like, right, I, right. I, 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 as a fan of the sport, man, I love nothing more than drinking beers on a Saturday and seeing six dudes battling at the front. But, I, you know, it just never has panned out that way. Because like Chris said, it's just, you know, it's uh, as, as little things start piling up, you know, little little ankle tweaks this side and the other, the – the motivation level uh, quickly drops. So, you know, I, I think that's why you see the attrition level uh, fall so fast. So, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to believe that that many dudes will be in the running. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people stay motivated for those first three or four rounds. And uh, looking at the schedule, there's a three- or four-week break in between. I think that's six, almost a month break, and then another six. So, who knows? Maybe maybe someone can tough it out. Uh, you know, if they were to get hurt third or fourth round, and it's just a small in- injury, and then come back swinging for the last six. But it. Uh, but then again, when you got six in a row, that's freaking gnarly. So it is. Uh, I'm going to stay positive. I'm staying positive. <laughs> hey. It's just so gnarly. I don't. I, I mean, I, I've said it a million times. Like I could never ever be a pro dirt bike racer. It's just what they go through day in and day out training wise, training at the tracks, and then coming out and doing it all the weekends. Holy shit! Like yeah. I. You could pay me $2 million a year, and I'd still be like, yeah, no. (laughs) (laughs) I'd give it a shot. I'd give it a shot. Hey, Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and Jeremy McGrath in the 90s 
Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. Wes, I want to ask you about being in studio. Man, you, you get, your team has been in studio many times to film stuff. Uh, you haven't shown up at my studio yet, but I know you're at Pulp a <laughs> lot. Just, uh, you know, what for you, what's it like being in studio? I know you're working when you're there, but you're also, you like the show. You're a fan a little bit. You, uh, you're friends with Steve. What's some cool things that you've seen or dealt with um, or even maybe some problems you've had while filming? Like what, give us some uh, background of being in the studio. Well, luckily for me now, they, uh, Marks has it on lock with the, oh, with right. the filming it himself. So he sends it. So yeah, we used to have to go out there, uh, every other week and you can't imagine what that does to a budget when you got to send a dude to Vegas for uh, a, you know, a day plus travel days, plus some hotel rooms and then what Vegas comes with. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, luckily Marks has it on lock these days, but I, I mean, dude, he's such a, a passionate guy in our sport and he, his dedication to the whole thing through and through is, is evident and how much he uh, gives back. And that's one of the, one of the biggest qualities that I, I love about him is just seeing how much he gives back. Like that whole privateer fund is just so unreal. Um, you know, he, he does more than just about anybody and same with yeah. checkers, man, race, race tech, motorsport, like so many people, uh, in that little click just love the sport through and through. So I don't know, like for me to go out there, it's, it, it's obvious, uh, obviously really cool to see, his passion and how much he just loves it. Um, I was even thinking today, like how, how burnout I am right now from just spinning my wheels. And the fact that Steve does these shows day in and day out, uh, you know, whether it's his show or the racer X podcast, this that or the other, even, uh, the fly racing radio at the races, the dude's just always in such a good mood and always puts on face. And it's, it's really admirable to see him be able to pull through that stuff and just do it. Always have a smile on his face. Cause I, it's hard, um, you know, going to that many races and, and beating down your body like that. It's, uh, again, very admirable. And then to see him get back as much as he does is really cool. So I'm sorry. That doesn't really answer your no, what's cool in the studio. Like I'm, it's more about Steven giving him props. And uh, yeah. I hate that I'm actually giving him props because hey, Steve, you, su- <laughs> you do, you do actually suck, but uh good job. Even, <laughs> even when he's busting your balls and calling it super cross spy, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard not to, to like the guy. Yeah, I, Check- I do agree with that. What about you, Checkers, man? When are you, uh, you going to get in studio? Um, it's been a while, actually. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, now that the travel is getting a little bit better and stuff, uh, I might maybe have a little more desire to get on an airplane and, and go out. I don't know. I thought the coolest thing about being there is it's like a museum, just all the cool stuff that he has around there, which you get now that there's video, you at least get to see it a little bit as a fan. But like the... The studio is pretty cool. Like, there's a lot of memorabilia there, and it just keeps growing. Um, from his from his project bike that he built, his CR that's there, or some of the cool helmets and jerseys and stuff. It's a it's a pretty neat place, and it is a good vibe because it's uh, it's very relaxed. And so it is just like bench racing with your buddies. You just happen to be getting recorded. Yeah, I've I've been there twice now, and it's a lot to take in. Like the first time I got there early, and Pookie's like, "Yeah, go down, check it all out." And I couldn't wrap my brain around everything I was seeing. I just, I couldn't. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, he he could easily open like a small little, you know, a little museum almost, and and charge people twenty bucks to come see everything. You know, think how many people would come on like if they get the the finals go back to Vegas and. He could charge twenty bucks and have people walk through the the museum, you know. For they they would too. They would. <laughs> yeah, he could do a live show just like the ones he does in Houston or whatever. Just 
Yeah. 100, 100 bucks, people show up. Hey, everybody pile into my basement in my house. Great. <laughs> Come hang awesome. out in the hot. There's a hot tub out back. That's a fantastic idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we can get tits on the grill. You're making some tomahawks. You better get 10% for that idea because you know he's going to do it. Shit. I, I, hell, if I get, just let me invite me. I'll be, I'll be cool. Uh, all right. So a couple topics I wanted to ask about, this was brought up checkers about the awkwardness with at, at Kawasaki this year, whether it's going to be awkward with Eli and you know, the effect and Daniel talked about like, uh, you know, how does Eli want to end this chapter of his career? I thought that was kind of interesting because it, it could really go either way. Right. I mean, he could really want to say, Hey man, I, I appreciate the team and everything they've done for me. And I want to go out with the championship plus take one two star, or he could be like, you know what? F these guys. I'm, I'm out. I don't really care. Yeah, I'm a, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, it's pretty hard for me to get motivated on Tomac right now. Yeah. Um, the only, the only thing that was brought up and I think it was uh, Steve that brought it up was the motivation for him to say to Cowie, this is what you're missing out on. This is what you're losing. Um, that's really the only thing because other than that, I just, I really haven't seen that, that killer instinct from Tomac and you can see it in Webb's eyes a hundred percent of the time. Oh yeah. Like, he wants to destroy the competition, the racetrack, and everything around it when he has his, you know, when he has his race face on. One hundred percent. Where, so I, mean, I don't even see him necessarily being all that frustrated losing, and that's the part that makes it really hard for me to, to do that. And it's like, you know, he's probably in my mind, he's already looking forward to next year. I don't think the team's going to hold anything back and not try their hardest, but it comes down to the rider and the, the level of, you know, if he's frustrated with the team, he for him to throw the towel in and just say, yeah, I'm not interested. And when I say that, it doesn't mean he's not going to show up and race. And if he's feeling good a day, go out and go one, one. I mean, even last year when he was, he was off, he had his days that he just crushed everyone. The one thing that I think will benefit Tomac and it'll probably also benefit Osborne. I think is we're back in the summertime. We're not in the fall. Eli has shown that he's very fit. He's very good late in the motos. And Osborne showed it at WW Ranch mm-hmm. when, you know, it was brutally hot and he came from behind. I think that's where those guys have a big advantage over um, over Marvin and Kenny specifically. Um, maybe Sexton as well. I know he struggled a little bit with the heat in the past. Um, and I don't necessarily, I don't have an opinion really on AC yet in that situation. And I definitely think Webb is fit um, and he's tenacious. So, you know, he probably would be, be okay, but I do think it's an advantage for Osborne and Tomac. And, um, but at the same point, if Tomac isn't putting in the work because of leaving, that'll show too, and it'll actually hurt him instead of helping him. But I still think, again, he has that base built up. Um, I don't think it's necessarily awkwardness under the truck or any less separate from the team to answer your question. I think it all depends on, on Eli Tomac, and the only motivation that I can see him having is I want to show these guys what they're missing or um, – if he does have a bonus in his contract for taking a number one plate to, to the Yamaha guys. Yeah. That kind of info, like not knowing that the answers to that, it's hard to say, you know, how that would go. Uh, Wes, we'll get your thoughts too. Like, I, I don't, I, I know where checkers is coming from with not seeing the motivation out of Eli. Like, but then I don't know that I ever really see him openly show that this, he's so closed off, but I, I definitely see where checkers is coming from though. What about you? 
Here's the one factor that nobody has brought up in these arguments is the fact that he's a he's a, a father to an infant and being in the exact same shoes myself, I can say it comes nothing down to motivation. Sometimes there's just no freaking fuel left in the tank at the end of the day. Um, but that being said, I, you know, it's no excuse not to go out and try your hardest at your job, which I think he has. But, you know, there's, there's only so much that you can give. So, uh, obviously, there's something – wrong whether at at Cowie whether it's him the the team or maybe both maybe they're just not getting along or you know from from the Jake Weimer stories I've always heard uh, you know maybe at Kawasaki they're they're a little bit harder to work with and they they lead on but yeah well it's uh who knows what the the situation is but you know a lot of money's on the line and if you're if you're going to go out there and do the work and you've already done the work why not try your hardest and you know they're both professional he, he's and you're both there to do a job, so I can't see them not putting their best foot forward. But I think it all boils down to maybe his home life and how much work is uh, really on him at two two in the morning when the when the baby's crying. Yeah, you actually uh, RJ talked about that, right? He said uh, Eli is not the same guy. He's 28, second kid on the way. Uh, he doesn't want to give, or do, maybe he's not giving the 105 percent every day, and uh, he's he maybe he's not doing as much. Uh, he also said that. You know, he sees that he kind of gets frustrated when things aren't going exactly as planned, and maybe he's he's not able to adjust. He does what he's told to do, and then can't get out of that line or can't get out of what you know whatever that that thing is. So RJ did sort of touch on that, Wes. That's actually a really good point you brought up. Um, I don't know. I think I he's actually not anybody cares, but he's my pick right now to win. Uh, I, I don't. I, so I obviously I'm on a di- I'm in a different side than Checkers is. And that may change very very quickly, but right now he's he's my pig. I think I think he wants to end strong. I, I believe he's unhappy with how things went last year and how things started. And I, I think we're going to see a different Eli. But um, just uh, just what I think could be completely wrong. Uh, let's talk about Zach Osborne, defending champ, friend of the show. Uh, he comes on and Steve gets right into it. Wacko Zacko, how's your backo? It's good actually. Um, I've had you know about five yep. weeks now where it's been pretty solid and, you know, I've been able to kind of grind it in a little bit. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the season, getting things rolling, really. It's been a really long time since I raced, and it's been a hard little period of recovery. And, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to finally getting going again. You feel like you can control this thing and, and all summer and do exactly what you want to be, be as good as you can be? Yeah, I, I do. Um, if I didn't, I would have probably gotten the surgery a couple couple months ago. Okay. Uh, what'd you do for your bike this year? Did you do much changing? Um, well, I did go to a softer fork about three weeks ago, um, just slightly softer, m- mainly for a little bit more comfort on these California hard pack tracks. We could be right back at base uh, by noon tomorrow. Uh, that's what I predict, Daniel. And you said you like to keep things very similar right you don't like to make dramatic changes yeah coming off a season like i had last year like i mean things do get better but at the same time we're never at quite you know end of summer speed when we're testing at this period of the year and i just feel like it's easier to build into the bike that i had last season than start over with something new or some hundred hundreds hundred or hundreds of hours on that setting and it's something i'm really familiar with and and i know really well so to me it just doesn't make a lot of sense to really go away from that uh checker so i have to be honest man i was very high on zacco obviously just because i'm such a a fan of his but the 
the back issue has me a little worried. Like he says he can manage it, but he he didn't sound like he's ready to go out and fight for the championship right now. That that part kind of bummed me out. See, actually, um, I interpreted it much different. The okay. fact that he was so open about it, and I I sense confidence in his answer of yes, I can manage it. Like there was not a doubt on that. When I heard about the back injury, it definitely scared me a hundred percent. Listening to his interview and you know, because of their relationship and then Zach's maturity, like he has this openness about him, um, about like, you know, how many guys would be hiding that he's struggling at all, or that it's even a concern coming into the year. Um, but the fact that he's open about it tell and the way, like I said, listening to the way he was saying it, he sounded very confident that he could manage it. And it, it gave me a little bit more faith in him. The other thing is I think Zach is matured enough outdoors, at least, where he can be one of those web rocks and Tomac guys that will always be there every moto um, versus the, the blazing speed and then crashing out of one. And he hasn't quite figured that out in Supercross yet. <laughs> also, we have all seen at the beginning rounds, right? The guys that do sit out the end of Supercross typically come in better, um, a little more fired up, a little more hungry, but then we had a bigger break. So that may or may not play in his favor, but I'm, more confident that the bat can hold up from just listening to him um, because of the way I interpreted it. All right, uh, Wes, uh, I guess same topic and also the the settings thing, I, I thought that was kind of, I, I like where his head's at. I think that's smart. They're like, hey, what we had last year was good. You know, we, we need to probably race, start there and race into that. Uh, I think that's kind of what Daniel always says anyway, right? Like, get your bike 80% and then figure out the rest, but just get the bike good and leave it. And not to mention, he's been in Florida this whole time. I assume training his ass off in the hot humidity down there. Oh, yeah. Definitely say the, the last time we were down there, March or April, it was already freaking brutal. So if he's already been down there, great advantage to him. But one piece you didn't play, uh, which leads me to a different census than, than checkers, would be the fact that he said, barring something unforeseen. I don't know if you clipped that part out or whatever, but as soon as I heard him say it should be fine unless something happens barring an unforeseen circumstance or something like that. When I heard him say that, like that already was like a, so of a seed of doubt to me, like, Oh "Oh, shit, maybe it's not as strong as he's leading on because I mean, who knows how gnarly the back is. I mean, obviously if he set out that long, it's probably pretty damn gnarly, but going through a back injury on a mountain bike last year myself, like, Holy shit, it's brutal. And you think you get it fixed. The next thing you know, one minor tweak, you can't walk for two weeks. Oh yeah, yeah. So I have I, I have no idea what what was wrong with him or if it was anything like mine. But holy shit, if 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 it's anything like that, going back to the last answer, if if six rounds in and it's hurting like shit, he, you know he's the guy that's trying to mail it in for ten just to just to survive until the break. So I if but I don't know. Zach is like one of my favorite dudes. So exactly. I sure hope I hope it's awesome, and I hope. Uh, yeah, but being on the same setting as last year or damn close to his base will be a, a huge advantage. And, yeah, having that time on the bike uh, for that whole end of Supercross is badass. So I, I, he'll definitely come out swinging. And, and, yeah, barring an unforeseen circumstance, I definitely see him uh, riding that confidence high. All right, let me ask you about both of you guys about this. You've, you've both been in the industry around a lot of the teams and the riders. I thought it was pretty – an interesting statement when Steve was talking about teams 
telling a rider that's having a bad ride or a bad time and saying, oh, yeah, it's you know, blaming it on the bike, even though they know it's the rider. Like You always hear that these guys are as fragile little flowers and all that, but that, I don't know, man, that's like, I was a little bit surprised by that statement, Wes, because, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but, like, I'm just one of those people who's like, okay, if it, you know, if I'm, if I'm the rider and I'm doing something wrong, I would want somebody to tell me that, dude, it's you, you need to fix this, but... I don't know. I, I, that that it, that statement, that topic, I thought was pretty interesting. And I wonder how many people kind of knew they that happens often. I guess I, I would say it happens a lot more than anybody thinks. I get to hear a lot of privileged conversation. Uh, sure. Being being that I got mics on a lot of people, and and I don't know why you wouldn't tell your rider, "Hey, dude, you're being a dumbass. Yeah. We should not be going this way on the suspension on the clickers. You need to come back the other way." But a lot of times, it seems like the rider has to find out for themselves that they're wrong, and even then it's so hard for them to admit they're wrong. And um, I see in here a lot of times that they'll go and change the shit without even telling the rider and they'll come back in and be like, Oh yeah, that's that setting actually is way better. But you know, they're doing what the, what the mechanics and team manager is saying. It's like, why don't you guys just be straight up? Yeah. Like, you guys are paying these dudes millions of dollars. Like I get it. They're a little fragile, but at the end of the day, I don't, I, I don't really understand why you walk on so many eggshells because I don't think that does anybody justice in the whole race program. Once it gets to a certain extent, like, Hey, if it's a bad race here and there, maybe, but if you're nine races deep and you're still doing this, like at some point in time, you got to have a reality check. Exactly. Yeah. That's why I, I, that's kind of why I felt the way I did. Uh, checkers. I'm sure you've run across this yourself. Yeah. It's, it's honestly my worst nightmare um, <laughs> to deal with. Uh, there's a lot of it in the third week. It's frustrating. It's, uh, you know, we actually have a thing. There's, there's pro pros and there's rookie pros and the pro pros they've been around and they, they know what they want and they know how to get to where they want to go. And you can have a, a very good conversation with them and you can explain things of, okay, this is what we're seeing. This is what we think is causing it. And sometimes it's the riding style. Sometimes it's the bike. Um, you know, we will always work as a company to try to make your bike better for what you need. Um, but at the same point, if it's something you're blatantly doing wrong as a rider, you know, we can try to educate you as much as we can on that. But I mean, here's the thing. If you don't do what they want, then you potentially end up in a situation where Tomac is at Cali, where he is upset from what I, what I've gathered and what I've heard and, and, and whatnot is they're not giving him what he wants out of his motorcycle and they're butting heads and they're saying, you know, you need to do this as a rider or the bike's fine type of thing. You know, you won races on this bike before, um, and now they're they're dealing with a rider that's not motivated or upset or wants to leave, and it really ruins the team atmosphere. So, I think that's where um, that's where like you're seeing the star guys with Will Hahn being really successful. Is Will is a recently very talented racer? He can pick up on the riding skills things, but he's also a really good person that can relate to his riders. It's very personable, so he has that relationship where he can approach them with riding style stuff so that it's fixing the riding versus fixing the motorcycle all the time. I mean, you've heard it with Barsha for years and years and years, and now it seems like he has something that's working and a team and a program that's working. I'm not sure where that's where and how that's gelling, but how many times you stay off the clutch, quit revving the bike type of stuff. And eventually this is the way I'm going to ride and you're going to have to build the bike around me type of type of deal. So yeah, uh, it is a nightmare. Um, that's what I love. I, I think I was on a wrap up show after Zach before, and he brought up the same thing about 
keeping a setup very similar. And there's so much to be said for adapting as a rider and knowing what your motorcycle is going to do it all the t- all the time versus chasing that one tenth of a second on a hot lap to get your bike perfect, but then your window is really small. And uh, I think that's why you see Zach having success outdoors last year was, you know, he knew what his bike was going to do, and it's consistently good. He's not chasing it, and that helps you avoid those bad races. Love it. Checker's bringing the knowledge. But I, I, I'm glad that Steve brought that up, though, because I don't think – I would think like, like the, the average fan – probably wouldn't think about them doing that, right? They're just kind of babying them so much. So I, I thought that was cool, man. I really appreciate that being brought up. Now I want to get into Zacco running the number one plate. Uh, well, let's listen to what Steve had to say first, and then I'll, we'll give our thoughts. How's it going to feel lining up at Paula with number one on your bike? That's, I mean, look, you got it last year. You got the plate last year, blah, blah, blah. It's a fake plate with number one, all that kind of stuff. This one's for real. You're racing with number one. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Um, obviously, I've been riding with it a little bit at home, and um, it's it never <laughs> sort of sinks in right, uh, right. when you walk in the shop every day and it's there. So it's it's pretty unbelievable. You know what I don't get is like, so I'm at Yamaha. Chad wins the title. He's like, no, I want to run 22. Yeah, I'm just like, I are mean, you crazy? I told now him. Oh, you have to, but yeah, man, no, no way. Like, no way, I'm passing it up. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying, right? Like, I don't. I, I, I used to be like, Chad. This number one plate is every racer in the world wants. I, I guarantee yeah. you, with a choice, Anderson runs twenty-one in nineteen. Yeah, I, I don't get that either, Checkers. Like I, I've said before, dude. I, I would wear the number one plate as a belt, like a fucking pro wrestler, UFC guy. I'd wear it over my shoulder when I went out to dinner. I'd run the number one. I, I don't totally understand not wanting to run the number one. I think it'd be rad. Well, I think um, for most people, that's 100%. There's nothing that looks cooler on a motorcycle than a, than a big, fat number one. Unless you're on a KTM, so you know, the KTM like, like Kiefer was there for a while. That That's not cool. <laughs> right. But at the same point, uh, the two guys I've mentioned, the, the Chad Reed not running it and Anderson maybe not. I mean, they both are, are known to maybe put their middle finger up at authority. Sure. Um, not maybe their motivation more than anything. Um uh, so that doesn't surprise me, but heck yeah, I'm running the number one. And uh, if I if I was ever cool enough to to earn one, dude, it looks awesome. Yeah. How about you, Wes? You running the number one? Hell yeah, dude. Hell yes. Like, how could you not? And I'm with Checkers. He already said it all perfect. I through and through. I can. I'd want. I'd revel in the attention it would it would give me. I know Anderson probably wouldn't want to run it because of that. Too much pressure. This, that, and the other. I'd say bring it on, baby. Yeah. Freaking number one is sick. Hell yeah, I'm number one. Hell yeah, uh, right? <laughs> these guys are crazy, man. I don't get, I don't get a lot of the things they do, but uh, especially if I was single, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously <laughs> off when I'm single, or most of these probably aren't single by the time they get a number one. But can you imagine that? Oh yeah, dude. My, my <laughs> like my sprinter van would have like, hey, I'm the champion, number one. I, I'm the champ. <laughs> the champ is here. Yeah. <laughs> have to call ahead when you go to a club. Hey, I'll be coming in a few minutes. Will you announce me as the champ? <laughs> uh, you just have a line at your band at Paula, even. Oh yeah, for sure. I love it. But Zacho, man, Zacho's always a great guest, and, and I, I talk up. There's certain guys like Zach and AC who have a really good relationship with Steve, who Steve's built a bond with, and it's just always fun to have those guys on because it's not like a a news interview. It's it's a couple buddies talking, and Steve gets the 
he gets the important news part of the interview out, but he also gets the fun stuff like, hey, when am I going to stay in your motorhome? And it kind of sounds like, Wes, maybe Steve's going to be staying in the motorhome, even maybe even with AC this year. That's uh, that could that will bring some good content come Monday night. I seriously thought they were joking about that the whole time. I did at first, but I didn't think after this Monday they were. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, because I know Steve has said stuff before, you know, and joked with him about it. And Zach's like, you know, Brittany's always with him. The kids are always with him. But this is the first time where I felt like Zach was like, yeah, man, you know, the kids aren't coming. Let's do it, basically. That's how I took it. You know, just knowing Zach, I bet he will. If, if they're not there, he would totally be like, yeah, Wes, come crash on the couch, dude. That'd be sick. Yeah. So, I mean, I okay, you're right. Yeah, I can see it happening. Is that checkers, am I wrong? I mean, I definitely know that Steve is serious, for oh, sure, without Steve's a doubt. Steve's definitely serious. Um, um, I, Zach sounded pretty serious. I just um, – I hope it happens because I hope it's similar to their the Texas trip with, with Weege and JT and Steve oh, staying in the house together. That's uh, I would I would just love to hear Zach come on and just complain about all of the things that Steve does and oh no it's gonna be the other way yeah dude it's gonna be the other way Zach is not gonna (laughs) complain he's too nice Steve will have a race tech rant on Monday can you believe this guy he'll be he'll be complaining about some something Zacho does you know fucking doesn't have enough food in the fridge (laughs) (laughs) or the wrong kind of drinks or. uh, he gets up too early and starts going warming up for the day or something. It cleans up after me. At 5.30 a.m., <laughs> he, he wakes up to stretch and work out. I, what What's wrong with this guy? No Starbucks on the bus? <laughs> right. Dude, he wouldn't go on a mountain bike ride during practice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait. Gosh, I hope, I hope this happens. It's going to be fantastic. I, I don't think it'll happen with A.C., I don't. I don't think so. But Zacho, I, I think it will. I believe it will. Um, all right, let me ask you this, uh, Wes. So I know I, I sort of asked you a little bit ago about being in studio in the past, and I want to ask you: like, is there anything when you first went besides the memorabilia that you were surprised by, with whether it be the setup, how how Steve runs the show, anything, anything whatsoever that stood out as a surprise or uh, impressive? When I went the last time, yes, on the tech side, I, I just just knowing where he came from and where he is now, it, it was unreal. I walked in and saw how Mark set all the cameras set up. They have like two producer stages, so um, and even talking about how they have communication during the show, yeah, um, and and how Mark is over there live switching, doing everything. Like so on the tech side, yeah, me and Mark sat there and bullshit for like an hour before the show, just seeing how he did it all on the switchboard and how he's running all the audio and. Yeah, like I said, just knowing where I, I started working with Steve in 07, I think. So mm-hmm. just seeing where he didn't know a damn thing back then to now, even last year in Salt Lake City, him bringing his own board and setting it up and being able to run a show proficiently by himself and actually have it turn out good. I mean, mad props to uh, that whole team for, for figuring it out. And even like the Pulp MX Fantasy, I freaking hate the shit out of it. But uh, <laughs> man, what a, what a user, you know, the UI on that is uh, pretty damn unreal and to know that Mark's pretty much did that single-handedly is freaking unbelievable. So, yeah, once you get here, I, I feel like I'm blowing Steve on this show, but holy shit, like, yeah, prop, props to that whole team for 
you know, pulling pulling something out of nothing. It's definitely like a rags to riches story that's yeah. uh, very impressive. I have to agree because I, I've benefited from a lot of that. Um, Steve has helped me with some of the technical sides of doing this. Uh, I have the same podcast board that he took with him to Salt Lake City last year. That's when he first got it. I, that's what I'm using right now. I use it in the studio. I take it with me. Uh, Mark's helped me with OBS, which is, a, uh, you know, I don't understand it, some software that helped us with our YouTube <laughs> yep. live because we were having uh-huh. problems with it where the audio sounded like shit when it transferred over to YouTube. And he told me all about it. I downloaded it. We used it for the first time last night. And we were like, as soon as the show was over, I got like five or seven instantly messages from people going, oh, my God, the show sounds so much better. It looks so much better. And that's all Mark's, man. I mean, so I, I hope Steve gives him a raise because he's helping out me too now. So he probably deserves a little more. Uh, check us <laughs> so, out. Yeah, you know what? It's all Mark's. It's not Steve. It's oh, all no. Steve. It's, it's right. 100. Oh, totally. I, I said that when I called in Monday night. I was like, yeah, I mean, this show can't go on without Mark's. <laughs> What about you, Chuck? Yeah, Steve has no no talent, no talent, Steve. No. That's what we should call him. Oh, he does. He has the no- <laughs> Steve has the knowledge to do the the talking part and keep the show going. But no, I mean, no, not really. No, no. Yeah, no. okay, fair enough. Yeah, let's stop. <laughs> we got some him props. Checkers, how about you, man? When you've been in studio, same thing. You surprised by how, um, like it's it's a professional show, man. I mean, it's impressive. For sure. When I went, it was they had just started doing video, and it was still one camera. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just looking all the way down. Um, and obviously it's evolved a ton. Um, I guess they say good managers delegate well. So, you know, I, I don't want to give too many props here. Um, <laughs> okay, let's because stop. you guys did enough, but, um, you know, he surrounded himself with good people. But the one thing that surprised me is, you know, Steve's talking and carrying the show, but how well he multitasks. Because I can't multitask at all. I'm terrible at it. Same. Um, but he's, you know, reading emails and text messages and lining up guests and sending messages over to his producer about getting someone on the line, all while carrying out thoughts and a conversation in a segment. You know, it's like, wow, um, he's got a lot going on in, in steering the ship. And we obviously he talks a lot throughout the week um, with all the different podcast stuff. So I'm sure it's a skill that he's practiced and practiced and practiced and gotten better at. But obviously, he was probably pretty good at it to start with, and that's that's why we're all listening to his show and now wrapping up his show is because um, he's good at it. Yeah, I, I feel like I'm going to have to go back and edit this and take a whole bunch of these compliments out. So totally, yeah, I I'd appre- I'd actually appreciate that. I, I didn't mean to say I didn't mean to say any of these things. Yeah, I take it all back. Uh, since 1999, <laughs> Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on Seal Savers, making installation a breeze. Check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. I also want to mention, uh, if you guys listen to Monday night, I'm sure you have, couple contests uh you can win a win a boom bottle and you can also win uh some fmf goggles from zach osborne contest at pulpmxshow.com email just put in the uh in the header there boom bottle fmf goggles for a chance to win we'll always appreciate the giveaways even though i am no longer eligible he gives a lot of cool stuff away so definitely enter because you might just win you never know um you guys want to talk some 250s or Listen to what they had to say about some 250s. 
I like some 250s. Here we go. It's J-Mart, healthy, heavy favorite, right? Yeah. John? How could he not be right, if right. he's 100% healthy? Yeah. Well, I think he's battling a couple of things, and that could be interesting. If he's nursing something, then he won't ride like J-Mart. If he's nursing and having to think about it subconsciously, I'm worried that he won't be him. And him, at his full strength, is, I mean, that's a hard guy to beat. But if yep. he's starting to think about other things and nursing things here and there, and he just takes that edge off, then really is he, right. you know, what is he then? And, that, and that's what I'm wondering, because there's a pack of guys right. that are right there, not far off. If he's ready to go, he's going to win this thing. But if he's not, like, I kind of thought Justin Cooper would be my next guy. But, I mean, I don't know. Hunter Lawrence, the last time we saw Hunter healthy, he was winning motos. Is there a second, is there a clear second guy for you? I, I wouldn't go clear, but I'll give Hunter just just a little bit of a kick. Checkers. Um, yeah, so it, it kind of feels like Steve was hinting that there's a, a bigger issue with J-Mart than I mean, I think we all kind of know there's he's got have, having a little issue, but it sounds like it may be bigger than they're wanting to let on. Um, I talked to his mechanic earlier or maybe the end of last week, or I guess it was, yeah, end of last week and he says, no, they're 100% good to go, but I, I'm not buying in. So I think this idea of who is our clear second guy to take that spot is pretty relevant right now. So what are your thoughts? you think J-Mart's good to go? Do you think Hunter might be the next guy? What are your thoughts on what they had to say? Well, I mean, Steven, um, I believe it was on this show. It might have been on the preview pod or, or both. He, he straight up said he had a source that told him, specifically what it was that was wrong yep. and he just couldn't say what it was but there was definitely an issue and it concerned Steve quite a bit you know it wasn't okay. like a it's not a big deal type of thing or it could be okay it's not like it was going to be a big deal um and I really think the second guy comes down to which one of these young guys catches some some momentum and some confidence and um I say whoever that is 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 my favorite i at some point, the older guys tend to struggle in the 250 class, less outdoors because the fitness helps out, which, again, going back to hot races again and not in the fall, that'll definitely help Jeremy Martin. He is, in my opinion, the most fit guy in that class. Um, I I would lean towards a Hunter Lawrence, but a Jet Lawrence or, you know, Justin Cooper's consistency, any of those guys catching a little bit of fire, um, I think can elevate them to the top. I mean, it could be Nate Thrasher or Hamaker, for all we know, or Forkner, you know, or McAdoo, any of those guys. When it, and in the 250 class, it's momentum means so much. Um, it seems like you make your own luck, but also things go your way when, when things are going right and you're feeling good. So uh, I have zero idea on who that next favorite guy would be, but I actually put them as my favorite right now because I am extremely worried about Jeremy Martin after listening to Steve talk. Okay, fair enough. I, I, I'm on board. Wes, uh, I think I know Daniel Blair. His second guy is pretty much Hunter and Jet. And uh, Steve said he kind of thought about Justin Cooper, but then he started leaning towards Hunter. Um, how about you, man? Where are you at with those guys? Dude, how about Austin Fortner? Does he not have everything in the world to prove? Um, I think they said on the show they they think he still has PC ride no matter what. But holy shit, if I'm that guy, like you you had so much potential and you're so fast outdoors, how could you not want to just come out swinging? So. Mitch is overdue for one too, if you yeah. ask me. So I, I don't know. I, I might throw, I might throw Austin Fortner in there, and then, uh, but I'm going to say Hunter Lawrence is in there too. Just, just being around him all winter, 
and uh, going to many dinners and talking about all the changes he's made to his diet and figuring out what, what was all wrong with his body and seeing how scientific they got with it was unreal to hear uh, and getting that insight. So just knowing that behind the scenes of what Hunter has done to get healthy and make his body so, so, so much stronger, we obviously saw it in Supercross, mm-hmm. and I think he surprised the absolute shit out of all of us. So if he brings that same the same tenacity to outdoors and which is obviously his specialty uh so much more so than supercross uh which he he admits himself so he won a few supercross this year uh with his body feeling that good imagine what he'll be able to do outdoors so uh and i'm not going to count out jet either i think you know especially after that win last year it's hard to count him out i just i just don't know that jeff can be there every damn moto i think hunter hunter also feels like he has something to prove so Maybe it'll be a knockdown drag out between Hunter and Austin. And yeah, Justin Cooper is going to be right there as well. So kind of going back to like the 450 question, I could see the 250 class being the, the class that comes down to six dudes at the end because yeah. so many of them are hungry. Um, so I don't know. May, maybe we'll, we'll get a surprise in both both classes and make it happen. Well, I mean, Steve did bring up Forkner and said he could steal some wins, to which Daniel said he's so confusing, right? He could be either, either be the man You're right. or on You're the right. ground. And, uh, but that's, and ultimately, that's what I mean, though. He yeah. has so much to prove. Sure. And, and, um, and what's funny about that is, like, Hunter or a Jet last year, rather, after he crashed in Supercross those few times, um, the team and his dad were telling me, like, they basically told Jet, like, hey, guy, we just want you to prove that you can finish the series. And yeah. we want you to ride at 80%. And that's what he did all summer. And Darren, his dad, said uh, at, at um, Paula, he goes, hey, uh, that was the first time I told Jet, hey, man, Wicked up to 100, you can win today. And he went and won that day. So right. I don't know how much truth there is to that. I don't know if the Jet Lawrence can really back it down to 80% and not ride with <laughs> that amount of passion and aggression, whatever. But if that is true and there's actually a dial that you can dial Jet back and maybe he's 100% this time, uh, you know, maybe he is running up front the whole time. So, you know, like I said, maybe 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 it is six or seven dudes that are always, are always buying for this win. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, you know, back to Austin for a minute. You, you, you're right. He admitted today during the press conference, like he said, I've probably ra- been missed more races than I've raced for Kawasaki. Uh, and, you know, he's, he, he openly said that and he's trying to figure it out. And I, I feel like he's, he's, he's kind of, he has to almost. I don't, I know he's supposedly still good to like 23, I think. I mean, I think the Kawasaki deal is good. He's supposed to get the 450 rod, supposedly, but he definitely feels like he owes Kawasaki more than he's given him. He's he's openly admitted that, uh, and he talked about trying to know when not to push, you know, if he has to settle for fourth or fifth to do that. So hopefully he can and stay healthy and, you know, be up there and compete with those other guys like Hunter and Jet. And hopefully, you know, Jeremy Martin, too. I mean, I just, yeah, I want to see all those guys battle. I want to see everybody stay healthy. Probably won't happen, but that's what we're hoping for. Um, checkers, uh, we sort of touched on this earlier at the beginning, but who who's some of the who do you consider to be some of the coolest guys all time in the sport? Um, I mean, my all time hero legend is um, from when I was a kid is David Bradshaw, like one hundred percent the the coolest, like because he didn't care what anyone thought about him. He looked cool on the bike. He had sick style and he was winning right when I got into the sport. You know, I, my first years really watching were like the 92 season when he won I think, nine races in supercross, like didn't win the title, but, um, 
but he was the epitome of cool. I was a little bit behind the RJ era. Yeah. So I didn't really get to experience it, but he's one of the guys that I've always been told is, is really cool and rad. And then it comes, it's definitely McGrath, right? Like, okay. There's like no one cooler ever than, than McGrath and just been fun. And, um, I, I believe that Jason Anderson has a little bit of that. Mm. Um, that's, I'm a fan there now just because he, he rides loose and he's loose off the track type of type of personality. I wish he did a little bit more media stuff, um, other than obviously the cool stuff that they do with their team pride videos and whatnot. Um, I wish I'd hear from him a little bit more on that side of things, because I think that would develop that personality. And, um, I guess I skipped Pastrana, <laughs> you know, he's, uh, always a character um he's cool in a different way though he he's goofy he's cool because of his talent and what he does he's not a guy like to me like bradshaw rj and mcgrath that you named as far as that's just a cool motherfucker for sure and i mean i think uh i think and they talked about it a little bit with rj like jet lawrence can can be that guy Mm -hmm. like he can 100 percent. and i just it makes me cringe a little bit as much as Feld loves him. Uh, <laughs> if they go too far, it's like the it's like the song that's a hit and the radio plays it like three times an hour, sure, where you sure. never want to hear that song again, right? Like, it, it's cool to like Jet right now, but when is it not cool? Because you know, or you could say it about um, about Fox when they went into balls. People are like, well, they sold out now. Like, they're almost too good to be cool anymore. <laughs> All good points. So, All good that doesn't happen. Yeah, all good points, and I think your picks were were spot on. Uh, Wes, same question, and then we're going to get into why I'm asking this, obviously. <laughs> um, I grew up McGrath era, uh, so I, he was a coolest rider as far as like an actual friend went, because uh, McGrath at that point in time in my life was so far beyond ever meeting him. I couldn't, you know, even meeting him to this day uh, was pretty unbelievable, but I grew up with Jason Lawrence playing Counter-Strike on the free computers in 02 and 03. Uh, dial up and even playing Riesenberg's tracks on motocross madness too. But uh, <laughs> I, I went through the entire ranks with J law until he went off the complete deep end. So yeah. he was always like a crazy rebel. Like he, he, he definitely pushed the boundaries a lot further than I did, but I still like to think I'm a bit anti-authority and, uh, and like to have fun and be a bit of a rebel. So it was always fun hanging out with him. Um, he embarrassed the shit out of me a lot uh, in person in that restaurant <laughs> sure. because he took shit way too far sometimes. But oh. it was cool to see the fan base that even he still has because of how freaking crazy over the top and obnoxious he was. So, you know, nobody has followed in the footsteps of him on, like, the party level, which I, as Chris knows, we, we like to have fun. So anybody that likes to throw <laughs> down uh, – anybody that likes to throw down and have a good time, I'm all about. So I, I don't think there's another been another rider since then. That's like, hell yeah, let's freaking go smash a case of Coors Lights the right. night before a race at Redbud. All right. And, that, well. and, the, and you get, you get the ticket in my book if you're doing that. Okay. So all, all good picks. And the reason I brought this up doesn't get much cooler uh, than the coolest all time guys in moto. Uh, I mean, to me, like RJ, the bad boy, McGrath, we, we get both of them on Pulp Mex Monday night. Uh, so Steve asked RJ, how important is it getting off to a great start? You know, motocross, he, he's obviously transitioning this into what we're about to have happen Saturday. And RJ gives us some gold. Like if you're coming in as Cooper Webb or Zach Osborne, the defending champion, and, and relating it to you a little bit, how important was it to get – it's a long series, as we know. Uh, how important was it to get off to a great start right away? <laughs> so so 
for me, you had to be the alpha male all the time. Yeah. And you had to you had to establish that you're not playing. Having that alpha male also cost me some championships. Yeah, you're. I mean, '82, your famous '82 championship, right? I mean, that was that was, was a result of you pushing too hard, right? So the famous '82 championship that I that Don yeah. Hansen got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but yeah. you know what? Though that that race and that failure is what made me. Was was a part of what made me who I am, and, right. and being smarter, and because honestly, I think if I would have won that championship at the age that I was, and mm-hmm. the arrogance that I had, <laughs> and all the different stuff, yeah. I would have, I would have. It would have been bad. I, I truly look at that failure as a blessing, yeah. even though it does hurt. Yeah, it hurts a lot. Right. Uh, Wes, I'm going to go to you first. I mean that that was just a fa- the whole interview was fantastic. But what I just played, I loved what he had to say, right? I mean, just going back and saying it made me who I am, uh, you know, I don't know. I just thought that was fantastic. And just my story with RJ, I don't remember for the life of me how I got his number. But the first time I had him on, <laughs> at the end of the show, we were, we were wrapping up. And he's like, hey, I think it was right before maybe San Diego in like 18 or something. He said, dude, next time you, when you come back out to California, hit me up. Come by the house. We'll barbecue. I was like, uh, okay, dude, be there this weekend, you know, and, and I never had the balls to follow up with that, but like just a cool, cool dude and so friendly. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And I think I re- referenced it earlier in the show. I think he, he went on to say his ego is what got him in the way of that championship. Yeah. You know, he, he learned how to, he learned how to take a fifth place from then on out. So uh, that's, that's ultimately what I said about uh, Tomac and, and Webb and Roxon. They, they know how to, say hey i don't need to win today and it doesn't really matter if i don't go out and smoke kenny today it doesn't matter i'm in this for the long haul i realize there's 12 rounds 24 races to make this happen and they're gladly take a fifth rather than trying to go out and 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 do everything they can to bust out that win because you know I, I think we've seen kenny in that position a lot or ac or a lot of these guys crash out when checkers a record so <laughs> um you know I, I don't know it's cool to hear him say that and 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 I think the veterans, the, the super veterans have really learned that in the 450 class. Like, hey, take it when it's coming to you. And otherwise, you know, unless it's coming down to the wire, I think you do everything you can to pull out all the stops. But I think especially these first few rounds, if, if a Cooper or a Ken or Tomac isn't on it, they're not sweating it immediately. Because look at, look at even Coop, how he started the last few Supercross seasons. Uh, even 19, you know, you start him out with a fifth or eighth or whatever. Hey, it's not really that big of a deal. It's a long ass series, and things will happen. So, yeah, yeah, it's funny to hear him say that, though. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. would have been would have been one more uh, number one plate on his wall, right? <laughs> Absolutely, checkers. What'd you take away from RJ? I mean, great stories. Uh, we 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 heard that I didn't know this the story of McGrath being in the RJ commercial, and then vice versa. Like, uh, uh, just good stuff. Yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't know that either. The the stunt doubles thing was pretty yeah. cool. I would like to uh, like to add, you know, uh, Wes spent a little bit more time talking about Forkner um, in the 250 class, and I feel like he needs to listen to that exact audio clip because I think that's where Forkner's at. Is he still thinks he is the alpha male every time he's on the track and wants to prove it, mm-hmm. and that's really what's cost him a ton. And I think he's he's kind of come out and said that. You know, we're talking about it. I think even in the press conference today, right? That uh, that he was talking about that. So. Um, Good advice for him. I mean, I think that's what AC did to figure out how to finally win his championships before he moved up. So um, it's one of those things like with McGrath and RJ both, when they talk, 
Um, they're very educated. They obviously have a ton of history in the sport, but they know how to articulate the mental side of the sport so well that I just sit back and listen. And I mean, even if it's not applying to, to dirt bikes, it's honestly advice that like, I feel like it helps me in everyday life. Like it's a, it's a life coach. Yeah. Yeah. You can almost have one of those, like, um, what are the little books you like the, the daily, um, what are they like the little, the, the Bible, verse, the the, like a daily affirmation, a daily affirmation from RJ almost or something. Right. Oh my God. RJ should write the, uh, the, the post-it notes that you pull off each day. Yeah, I like exactly. that. <laughs> I'd buy that for sure. All right. So would I, so yeah. would I forget RJ, RJ's inspiration of the day. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Hell, we could probably do a whole mode and just take a few of those guys, him. And like, can you imagine like Wardy and some of those old guys, like Wardy was a little more gritty. Maybe he would, be like, ah, oh, just uh, who knows what he would say, but I, I, I'd buy. I think uh, Verboto maybe needs to put that together. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's great, great. I'll, I'll do that in my spare time. I'll, I'll start working on it. Yeah, I'm sure you got plenty of time. Well, look, there was there was obviously a ton of respect between McGrath and RJ. Uh, oh, we heard some. That was cool as shit. Yeah. I know we already said that, but that was cool as shit that our, uh, MC called him. Yeah, yeah, and I think Steve set that up when they, I think when they were on uh, at, at the first commercial break because they kind of talked about did the did, I think he said maybe Daniel asked if he texted back. They didn't say McGrath. They said did the guy text you back or something like that. So I think it was being set up ahead of time. But but at the end of the show, they said uh, we'll get on the special guest that didn't text back. Okay, I think that I took that as there was something separate because I think he was trying okay. to get. He was trying to get McGrath on with RJ, but then he did hint at somebody else and that they weren't surprised by, and I kind of felt like maybe they were reaching out to James Stewart on that one because he said something about Florida. So I think that was two uh, separate incidents, but maybe I'm wrong. What about you, Checkers? Did you pick up on any of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that they were talking about the McGrath thing. Maybe so. <laughs> the fact that you thought Stewart, wow, no. <laughs> that would have just made this show go even further over the top. It was right. already – Really good. You have RJ and McGrath, and um, I know Daniel talked about it, and I'm sure we'll get there um, about how much he loves Newf. I love Newf and Goldie when they're all oh, together. Yeah. Or yeah. Either one of them. They're always so dang entertaining. And then you got Osborne, who's just always a great interview because he's so dang educated and just personable and nice. And then um, Treadle just brought the heat with his personality, which I'm sure we'll get to. So it was already a lineup of a show, but you throw Stewart in there. Oh, Ooh. that would have been fat, right? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I could have handled it. This we would have to do like an extra hour on the wrap up show. But um, let's listen to. I have a little bit of audio here from just with the respect. Well, I'm with you, Mathis. I, I think like the images of like as cool as it was to see you number one, Rick, on a Honda that those years. That year when you were number five with the all blue Fox gear, uh, you know, racing yep. Supercross with your your original like bad boy helmet, like. There's pretty much nothing cooler than that. <laughs> nothing. I mean, not much. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you. And what Jeremy did with his fashion and style yeah. and bringing in 1-800-COLLECT and, and commercials and Bud Light and the, the lit. Do you know that I was a stuntman on the Bud Light commercial? No. Some people don't know that. So I was a, so so turnabout's fair play. So when Jeremy was was a was an extra in my commercial, I was an extra in his commercial, commercial when he was when he was at Bud Light. So it it feels good to you know, to say, well, you know what, maybe I raised the bar a little bit. But if you're not a dick and you're not super egotistical, it makes you feel good to see when somebody takes 
takes what yeah. takes your level and then elevates it. And that that to me that that to me was cool to watch what Jeremy did because he was just he was beyond cool. Yeah, I, mean, I, I felt like Jeremy was you, but yeah, like on steroids, right? Like a a, a cooler. Uh, not cooler, but you know what I mean. Like he took it to the next level. Like he was on, he was on Tonight Show. He was on, he was on Tonight Show. He was on uh, Jay Leno. It was on uh, Jimmy Fallon or whatever, right? And I'm, and he's in movies, and I'm just like, this is the the best best thing ever for our sport, right? Yeah, I, how great is McGrath's laugh? Like it's it's an infectious <laughs> laugh. Uh, fantastic, and also I love the story. And McGrath's told it before, though, when he was. You know, hey, he was done with uh, ready to get, be done with pro circuit, and Mitch is like, "Who do you think you are, Rick Johnson?" That's that's just, <laughs> oh, so good. Hey, did either of you guys? I did not hear this. I, I went back and even tried to hear it, but Pookie, I guess, was upstairs being really loud. Did you guys c- catch any of that? I heard he say something about maybe there's a guy up there. Oh yeah, so I I I heard it. he did mention it later on. I think towards the end, but a couple times. Like I was texting with uh, Marks, and he said, "Hey, did you hear that?" And I was like, "No." I guess Pookie was screaming at the hockey game, but I, I could never catch oh it. Oh my gosh! So you know, and I know some people listen with headphones, so I was, was wondering if it picked up. But uh, good stuff from the uh, outside the lines, Dan, right at the studio. Yeah, I remember Steve mentioning that, but I didn't yeah. hear it either. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't ever really hear it when I was listening. But I always—you never know when there's going to be a, a scream from upstairs, or a, a bass that's going to walk through, or a, or a, a, a cat apparently that nobody's ever seen again. That's when I was there. <laughs> Do what? That's when I was there. Was when the cat walked oh, through. Oh, <laughs> really? I forgot that. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, you know all about Michelin motorcycle tire, motorcycle tires from the Pulp Mech Show, and I'm excited to announce that Michelin Bicycle Tires is still a proud sponsor of the Pulp Mech Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium-finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, Visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram. Uh, Let's get into John Anderson from W real quick. Uh, We haven't really touched so much on him and Daniel as co-hosts. Let's do that real fast. Uh, Daniel's fantastic. He's one of my favorite people in the industry. Great co-host. I think everybody would agree but John Anderson's really good too, right? He he's not on very often. He's a little bit more quiet, but I love his input checkers. I think he he's very knowledgeable about the sport. He's very passionate about it. I, I think he's always fantastic. The John Anderson thing's really cool because with his company, he's he's involved with so many different race teams and programs. So he gets that kind of inside, you know, knowledge and stuff. Plus he's just been around the sport forever. I mean um, all the way back to the, the White Brothers days and such. And, you know, there's a rich family history and such there. So they know everybody, and everyone knows them, and everyone's comfortable around them. So he, when he says something, he's very well educated on it because he knows multiple sides of the story and and full circle, and he's just been involved in the sport. And, you know, when you've been around it, you're seasoned enough to where you can, you can really formulate opinions that, like people can listen to and it means something super important and obviously their companies makes a fantastic product as well which is cool and it's so well respected um 
like there's there's no negatives out there, right? Like that's that's super cool to see. And yeah, I mean, I agree. Daniel's awesome. Um, I hope that uh, I hope that he doesn't get too corporate if he happens to get this TV job, which would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I really like the the hot takes and the unplugged Daniel that you get. You know, you still get a lot of his personality, even though he's he's cleaned it up a little. Um, he still has that that personality and edge. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, you know, I, he definitely has corporated it. I don't know how to say that as an adjective up a little bit when he has to be, but he still like does his show the way he wants to do it for the most part. And um, yeah, I think he's great, but how about you, Wes? I mean, what do you, what do you think about John as a co-host? Again, he didn't have as much input as Daniel, but when he did uh, his passion for the sport is, is you, you can't deny it. Well, being a little bit shallower of a talker than Daniel and, uh, and Steve, I, I imagine it'd be a, it's a hard group to go up against there if you're trying to get some input going. So right. I think I think just knowing, knowing the competition that was in that room, he did a fantastic job. And, and that's Chris said. He was very knowledgeable about the things he talked about. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, as Moto has, I think we could sit here and listen to anybody that has stories uh, and knowledge like him. So um, it sucks that he – he uh, felt so uh, personally attacked about the their whole rim situation, but well, um, we're about to get into that. Actually, he, he, he could clear that up, and <laughs> yeah. And I, just on Daniel, I'm going to say he might be my favorite voice in our sport right now. I feel like his conversation flows so well, his vibe, his rhythm, uh, his just his energy all around. Uh, hearing him on TV being the anchor was uh, unreal, and yeah, fingers crossed for him to get that job because I think he would he would excel at that job i i totally agree i've i've uh said my part on him many many times but back to john i would like to see Kristen in studio because uh she's really good also uh her story about saving uh rj's diet pepsi can was pretty great she's very passionate i wonder how much she wants for that oh no yeah we, we yeah maybe she lets you maybe she lets you take it off her hands but i mean she's been around the sport obviously forever with her dad and uncle being part of white brothers so i think she'd be good um but yeah speaking of the wheel situation checkers mentioned in a text earlier that he wanted to bring that up so let's listen to that audio hang on uh, here we go. what do you think of a ray's wheel that he exploded oh boy your guy a ray yeah yeah um posted well, on social media his broken wheel yeah yeah well i think that um Obviously, we're aware of it, and we've gotten the wheel back. It's been sent off to be evaluated. But, I mean, I have my own opinion as to why that happened. Um, I think that as far as my opinion and being posted on social media, um, I don't agree with that. But I think that as sponsored riders, um, there's some things that you just – when someone, someone's supporting you with a product, I think that's – I feel like maybe not the right way to go about that. But I do know that same hub is the exact same hub is run by Factory KTM or Factory Kawasaki in Europe. The last thing they'll last thing in the world yeah. that they want to do is cut corners to hurt somebody. Yeah, of course, right? right? I just don't know what that serves by a rider necessarily posting something like that. It doesn't do a sponsor any good. And you're a journalist, so yes. and you're my buddy, top journalist. But I also think there's a certain responsibility that the media has to report the whole story. But there's more to it than what you just see, the the, the viewer. It right. wasn't the hub that broke. wasn't the rim that, that broke. And that's all I can say. It can be an overreaction. Like, we're like, oh, my gosh. Like, oh, of course you're going to kill somebody. Yeah. I mean, we're, Nobody in, we're, we're in 2020. Everyone's going to overreact. Yeah. 
All right, Checkers, I'm going to go to you on this one uh, because, you know, you work for Racetech, so you have tons of riders out that are sponsored by you. I'm sure things go wrong every once in a while. But I, I love A-Ray, but I agree. When you have somebody that's a sponsor that's helping you, uh, a big part of your program probably or your team's program, you got to be real careful about what you uh, put out there on social media, even if you're frustrated at the time. Uh, it's a small industry. And, and like John said, the the public sees that like they did when Dino exploded that wheel. And I think that was Dallas, if I'm not mistaken, off the wheel jump, off that wall jump. Uh, you instantly start seeing people like, oh, you know, they were blaming it on the mechanic for, for Dino or not Dino. Uh, yeah, Dino. But it's, it's people don't know. And if you put that out there on social media, it, it definitely looks bad on you a little bit. And it looks bad on the, the company that's helping you. I think you got to handle it a little different. What do you think, man? Have you ever had to deal with something like that? Well, I'm, uh, I wanted to bring it up because, and and I'm probably going to come and do it a little, and Uh-oh. you'll actually be probably surprised about where where I'm going to go. Um, so first of all, I saw the I saw the post of the wheel for Mary, and immediately I was like, "Ooh, that's that's probably not good. He probably shouldn't have done that." Was my first reaction as well, um, because I am in that situation, right? And as a company, the worst thing you can have happen is a failure, and especially if it's put in the public eye. And then I realized that our sport is so small and that's the stuff that drives me nuts is why can't we talk about having a failure, having an issue? Maybe the tire selection that we picked wasn't so good in the race. You know what? If we share those things and it becomes more common, it lets the fans know more, gets them more involved. And then when something does happen, you know, it's a mechanical sport. You know, there's there a machine. Things are going to happen. And why hide them? Why not just say, you know what? This happened you know what, it doesn't mean the product's bad. I can promise you those wheels are not bad. Um, I once upon a time had a different wheel company that I ran an arena cross, and I broke a wheel every week. <laughs> uh, they kept giving them back for free, um, but then I switched to the W product, and I never had a problem, and I yeah. bought them for retail. And I ran them for a couple of years, actually, without an issue. Uh, it's a fantastic product. I think people know it's a fantastic product, but I just I don't like the sensitivity. And here's the thing. Part of A-Ray's reputation is, one, he gets a little sketchy as his brand is now, right? <laughs> right, um, right. But then he's hard on equipment and stuff. And this goes back to the reason it's even more personal was when Jason from SGB initially started talking to Alex, he's like, what do you think about it? Um, we're a, a part of Jason's program, and, you know, his company is a race tech suspension center. That's what SGB is and where it started. So um, we have a good relationship. We've been involved, and I, I was terrified of it. And I told him, you know, I was like, man, there's a big risk for bad press with Alex because people do like him a lot, but he's hard on stuff and being scared of failures. And you know what? Um, he has had a lot of issues with his motorcycle, but that's part of who he is, is he's hard on stuff. No one's looking at it as that product is terrible. They're looking at it as Alex is hard on stuff. Um, I think I understand John's point completely understand it um, because that's as an industry kind of how things normally are treated and, how I would initially have expected a sponsored rider to react is to not do that. Um, I don't think Alex's intentions were ever to blow out the company that's helping him by any means. That's not the person he is. He's actually one of the better athletes to work with as a sponsor. Um, but yeah, I'm just tired of the sport being so dang closed up about, you know, you see someone push their bike off cause it clearly blew up and they, Oh, it was an electrical issue or something like, tell us what happened. You yeah. know, it's, I want to know as a fan and 
we need to quit being so sensitive to it. Um, would it would it bother me as a company if if something happened? Yes, it would bother me not that they talked about it, but the fact that it happened and we need to fix it. You know, and the, your your failures they happen. You know, and so you how you fix them is is more important about who you are as a character. So yeah, yeah, I guess I'm I'm fired up about it because I want more openness and transparency in the sport and. It sh- we shouldn't have to be sensitive little babies about, and I'm not, that's not about John there. That's the whole rant as a whole, as an industry. Uh, if something doesn't go right, we don't need to be sensitive about it. Uh, yeah. I, I like what you had to say, but do you think it would look better if it came from, let's say uh, the team, not so it's the rider, maybe the team or the team has a Jason Wygant from racer X or Steve Mathis from Pulp Mix and racer X come in and, and, and actually have it, done in a um like a not a press conference but a press release about that item instead of the the writer necessarily himself just kind of blow it out and i I don't i remember seeing the picture i didn't rewrite read what a ray said so i don't know if he said anything negative or not but it it seemed like to me it would be better coming from the the team you know like if it was the nfl and i don't know like somebody's fucking football fell apart or whatever. I don't think the, the quarterback needs to be posting it, but the team or the NFL, if they come out and talk about it, to me it looks more professional than the rider kind of blowing that particular product out. I don't know. Am I wrong in that? What do you think? Well, my thoughts are, I guess, with that is if it happens to a guy winning a race or he DNFs a race in the press release, yes, the team should, in my opinion, come out and say what it is or – if Daniel Blair or whoever they have on the floor at Supercross comes up to the truck and says, Hey, what happened? Tell them what happened. Yeah. You know, be open about yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. You know, and you don't necessarily have to name the brand. So in that part, yes, the team, you know, this was a weekday practice session deal and it's on the writer's personal social media. Like I want those behind the scenes glimpses and um, like, Days ruined, real broke. Wow, that's you know scary. Glad you know. Hopefully you're okay. Type of deal. Like, I, I don't, uh, I don't see. I understand why a company would be upset 100 percent because I was that guy. Uh, and I mean, I've just started to like change my opinion and my tune on that okay. because I was definitely that guy when I started my job. I was, I would have been calling that writer immediately. I'd yeah. pull that down. What the heck are you thinking? That's stupid. Like. I would have been more upset than John was, or at least that he let on to be, you know, I mean, he definitely let on that, you know, he didn't think it was the most professional and happiest thing ever. And yeah, yeah. he probably wishes it wasn't brought up on the show. At the same point, I'm glad that it was brought up on the show because it gave him a chance to say, you know, it, either what I was reading between the lines is the sprocket bolts probably were not tight. And that's why the hub broke. That's, you know, it sounded like they were evaluating it still, but that was kind of the initial diagnosis, yep. I believe. Yep. Yeah. And I think so. You know, that was me reading between the lines. So I could be not correct at all. I don't know the situation any more than, than you guys do, but that's good. That gives him a chance to say, Hey, this is what really happened. Like it wasn't even the product. And, um, and that we, you know, we have faith in this product, you know, it had this many hours on it and this is what we believe caused the issue. It's okay. Like I said, it's how you react to that thing. So um, I guess I just want more transparency in, in, in general, um, whether it is the teams or the riders. And I don't want riders to be scared to post stuff on social media because it might upset somebody. Like, Good point. If it's just going to be bland social media out here grinding, you know, <laughs> right, and, right, and right. 
Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not into it. So, okay. um, yeah. Uh, Wes, thoughts? Well, I did not think Chris was going to go that route. So Me I'm either. very surprised. And, I, and uh, I think it's cool as shit. I, uh, I think every point he has valid, and I'm, I'm glad he put it out there. Uh, I can say from a media standpoint, I know damn well that it'd be way cooler to know that this, this, or this happened versus, uh, yeah, I was grinding and uh, <laughs> things just didn't work out. Um, the transparency would be cool as shit. I don't ever foresee it really happening because of something like this. Every company thinks it is a bad light. But, hey, guess what? Everybody's a freaking – heavier dude and he's hard as shit on stuff like he I, I didn't see the post but i'm sure he said that like i'm surprised it's taking this long to break this freaking thing right um <laughs> so i don't know what light he presented the post in so yeah. i mean hopefully it was funny and in more sarcastic tone like holy shit i can't believe i don't go through 20 of these a week like pretty surprised it's held up for two years so <laughs> hey, um right. I mean, I don't know. Everything can, can be done the right way and the wrong sure. way. So uh, I'm with Chris. If you have the transparency and, and the right message, I mean, heck, it's cool to let your fans know that, yeah, uh, I'm a pro racer and I break shit. <laughs> okay, I like it. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you, race, whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at motosport.com. A few more things we're going to touch on. Uh, we'll wrap this thing up. Motorsport.com, or Motorsport tweets, there was a topic about Baker's Factory. I think that's when this came up anyway. It was the Baker's Factory. Uh, what's going on there? Let's Let's listen. There's this talk about maybe some changes at the Baker's Factory with some of the riders. Is oh, that well, something? You can talk to JT on that. I've had to put out all his fires. <laughs> so JT said that Cooper Webb will be leaving the Baker's Factory. Yep. Uh, JT says he won't be there next year. I probably believe you. But isn't so. that one of the reasons why maybe the relationship with Anderson and Husky went a little bit sideways when he left that program? I think Anderson uh, told Jason if he wants to come back, he has to go back with Alden Baker. So he does have an opening to come back. He just has to go to that program. Yeah, but he's not going back. So. Listen, Steve, you're, you're playing dumb here. Because I've heard some stuff about loosening the reins a little bit, okay? Yep. Yeah. I'm but it's really, it's really hard to look at that program and you see what it's done for the people that have gone there and not – if, if winning is the end-all, be-all goal and that's you're dedicated to doing whatever it takes to win – I don't know how you can look at that program and, and not think that's the next step. It seems like, this my opinion, that program is a little too gnarly for a rider when they're young. I got the guys that are willing and, and the, the only thing that matters is I need to find a way to win in this class, and that isn't everybody. I, I think Jason Anderson is not there anymore. He would rather enjoy his life than he would sacrifice everything else. Some of those guys want to just go over here and ride here and maybe do something a little different. And Alden is like, no, like you're all There's in or you're not. Strict. It's discipline. And program. to me, in my mind, I'm like, what's the harm in this? But if you're Alden, you're like, you know, you just take a little bit of rope and a little bit of rope. And next thing yeah. you know, you know, you get more and more rope. And then now the program isn't where it is. Right. So that's his thinking. All right. That was not during the tweet segment. Actually, it was earlier when JT was on, but Wes, I feel like you probably have a lot of inside info that you can't really discuss, but I get I get where he's come from. Like I, a lot of the the fans, right, the listeners or the people on Vital, people that maybe don't even listen to Pulp Mix, 
Baker's Factory is part of the industry. Uh, it's been proven with the championships, and people always wonder, like, why? Well, why would Jason Anderson leave? Why would Cooper leave? Why? Why is Zacho riding it? You know, club. You know, they. It's it's always this topic of interest, and I I get what Steve's saying about with Alden, like. No, man, it's this is my program that you do it this way, and this is the only way because if you keep giving them a little bit of rope, they're just gonna they're gonna take even more, uh, you know. And and his the way he does things, it seems to work most of the time. I would say, yeah, I mean, it, it seems to have worked every damn time. Uh, he, he's changed how many careers time and time again, so it's obvious that what he's doing is very fruitful if you're willing to stick on the program and it's pretty crazy to me that even alden has the uh the ability to stay on this program year in and year out like you know he'd probably love to go to to some different spots and he stays on it just like them he's there every day building schedules for everybody doing it day in and day out you would think he'd be like sweet they want to go ride somewhere else hell yeah Yeah, exactly um i'm gonna go have some ice cream (laughs) right that's what i'm saying i'm like sweet yeah you guys go ride a crew today i'm out we hang out at the pool with my wife right yeah. but uh it's crazy that he's like nah this is my schedule and this is what we're doing so uh it, it's it's admirable to the point that you know it, that he's able to do it uh but i i he, he burns dude out dudes out i mean i don't think that's any secret but it's a winning recipe but it's it's just the how many guys can survive for how many years you know you got to mm-hmm. have a special stick in you just like uh Dungey or Webb or Osborne, all those dudes there have something extremely special to do that day in and day out. So, uh, you know, if, if Webb does end up leaving, maybe he knows the winning recipe now and he feels like he can do that on his own and add in a bit more fun into his program that he doesn't have right now and, and make his career a little bit longer. Um, you know, I, I, I can't imagine uh, what he's been on it three years now. So, Doing that day in and day out, not being able to eat potato chips and freaking M and M's when you want to, because every single thing is regulated in your life, and uh, and all of them will know it because there's blood tests, you know, or yeah. finger pricks, sugar tests, this, that, and the other. When you know it's gnarly, he he, Alden is such a scientist when it comes down to that. Like he knows if you're fucking around, mm. so sucks. It, always be under that freaking microscope. It has to be tough. You probably you're, you're like, dude, I'm a 27 year old, six year old. Like my mom's watching every single step I make, but yeah. you know what? It produces. So, you know, if, if you're an Aaron Plessinger or, you know, someone that gets the opportunity to go there, how could you not? Um, I, I, if you want to have a few more years in your career and you want to be at the top and make the money while you can go grind it out and do what Coop did. And, you know, if he, he leaves, I have a feeling he's figured it out, but, uh, We'll see. I, know. I think we've, we've seen people leave that program and not have quite the success. So I think it's a fine line. I mean, you know, we we saw how Cooper was doing two years ago, right, when he first went into the 450s, and then he went to Alden and to KTM and he on Pulp. You know, he talked about, hey, I, I thought I knew what I was doing and, I, you know, how different it is and the improvements he made. And, then, yeah, to step away, man, that's that's risky, I think. But we'll, I guess we'll see. I get it. I wouldn't want to be regulated like that either, but that's one of the probably 5 million reasons I'll never have that number one plate because I'm not going You're without. Right. Like, my chick is on her way to get Mexican food right now, so we, we yep. need to start getting this thing wrapped up because I got chicken enchiladas with queso coming, uh, and then well, I'm going to eat some. The, the big, Go ahead. From, right? Uh, from, but from a, a more worldly perspective, think about if Coop's able to make his career longer by four or five years. 
Yeah, true, think true. about the amount of money he's able to make. You know, he might be able to bank an extra five, ten, fifteen million in those extra three to five years that he's able to tack on. I bet if he he's thinking like, oh, if I stay at Alden's, I got two years max left, right? Otherwise, right. and then I'm spent. I'm pulling a Dungy, twenty-seven years old, and I'm done. I don't know that Coop. I I don't know what he wants his legacy to be, but you know, maybe he's thinking, sweet, if I can ride this out till I'm thirty, I will make an extra fifteen million dollars. And honestly, if he wins the next two or three years, holy shit, he will he'll easily make that, right? So yeah. I, in his mind, he's just thinking, yes, let's at, maybe add in 10% fun, keep it 90% uh, focus, but I need the 10% fun to make this so I can ride it out for uh, for the extra few years that, that he's able to. It's going to be fun to watch and see what happens. Let's uh, We're going to start kind of blowing through this a little quicker. Uh, Ryan Newf Lockhart came on to you know promote that Atlas has their new vision collar. Uh, which you know is new. Not it's not a neck brace. They were you know pretty clear on that. It's to help with some uh, different styles or body types and stuff, and pretty interesting. But besides the Atlas stuff, checkers, Noof funny guy. He's always entertaining when he's on. Uh, you know, talked about Canada still being strict, but I, I like the. We didn't get the details, but I would like to have heard the story of him snapping his wrist on a mechanical bull. Yeah, I'm guessing that. Uh... That at some point that that story can come out. I'm sure a few drinks were had. hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, just like talking about the the Canadian moto schedule in general um, was was quite comical to me. Of no one really knows what's going yeah. on. Uh, I was talking to to Marshall at the. Uh, at the break night a couple weeks ago and even he has a deal to go race in Canada. He's like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go race like with the quarantine and all that type of things. And the series keeps moving around. He's like, I'm, I'm getting ready to go race outdoors some somewhere, somewhat. He's like, I'll do the East coast national pier. If I have to, like I'm racing, yeah. but that's really all he's doing. Um, it's just funny. Cause he was like pretty lighthearted about it. And then they were talking about like the, the preview shows that they do and stuff and, and how they're always entertaining just because they're, they're so lighthearted and, yeah, he's just an entertaining person to listen to, no matter what they're talking about. But I did think, uh, honestly, the, the Atlas stuff I thought was was pretty good information and stuff. It didn't feel like an infomercial stuff, which is a really tough balance for Steve. Like, obviously, he wants to give advertisers, I mean, I'm one of them, right? Like, their love and, and there's time to talk about a product. But it takes the right person to be able to come on and, and talk about the product without making it boring and like an infomercial type. Yes. Deal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I like that Phil's going to be wearing it. So I, I think we'll get some, some good stories out of Phil this year. And I'm sure we'll see how the, uh, the anti-compression collar goes for Phil, but yeah, Noof is good, man. Him and Galdi, I, I guess it's just Canadians in general. Right. I mean, I, I, I know Steve, obviously we, we love listening to him and then you got Galdi and Noof are just goofballs. And I mean, T dags, all those guys up there. I, I, I I feel like maybe I should go spend some time in Canada and check that place out. Yeah, they're all pretty laid back. Huh? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. If you're, if, if you're ever allowed in is what I got from that conversation. Exactly, yeah, because I know our guy, Ryder Floyd's supposed to be going up there for man luck, and, yeah, I don't think he knows what's going on either right now. But we'll see what happens with that. Uh, also, you guys both mentioned Ian Treadle. I knew very little about Ian, to be honest. Um, really uh, a sad story with the injury but he is one of the lucky few that has been able to turn it around into something inspirational. And, you know, he, he doesn't seem to be the guy that's, you know, 
down like oh poor pitiful me he's he's making something of himself with it and trying to help others uh wes i thought that was really inspiring and you know i, I like what he's doing well it's it, going back to ian in the in the younger years he was always uh super badass he was an amateur star and he he should be where tomac is right now he should be in that group of elite guys and he would have been if not for that crazy unfortunate accident. So yeah, it was really sad to see. And, and it's like, again, I, I grew up with the end. So that one was really close to my heart when it did happen. And, and we did, Verb was still kind of in its infancy. I think it was 2010 or 11. And we did everything we could to raise money and help him and, and stayed really close with his family. So I, I still talk to Ian quite a bit. And, uh, you know, we always catch up and throw some ideas back and forth about doing stuff. And his family's always been great. He's great. And it's great to see how, motivated and, and and happy he still is in life because yeah, yeah like i said a lot of people could have taken that a totally different way yep. like holy shit i i trained my whole life to get to this point and i just like now it's down the drain what am i going to do but he uh i saw his dad last year in tampa and and still great people they're all doing family business kind of stuff i think and uh ian sent me some links today to check out he's doing some really cool analysis stuff i think he mentioned on the on the show so mm-hmm. he still loves moto through and through and it's, it's cool to see him still involved yeah, it's cool. And I, I, again, with Steve, you know, I, like I said, I, I didn't know much about Ian. Uh, and at the time he was coming up, uh, I was just a casual fan. You know, I wasn't doing any quote unquote media type stuff. And I didn't, I just didn't know a lot about the kid. I remember the name, but I didn't know much about him. So let, let, let me tell you, he had the most flawless style. Him and, him and Nico and Stroop mm. uh, were all kind of on the RT uh, Ronnie Tishner program. Okay. Okay. And I swear to God, they had the most epic style, flawless, flawless. I don't know. They, they, it was effortless everywhere they rode, man. And just like they rode the bikes so, so good. So I, I've always given Ronnie mad props for that. Cause those three guys were like his echelon riders. I just never, yeah. never, never really saw the light of day. That should have, but man, like watching any of those guys ride back in the day was just so sick. Well, it's cool having him on the show Monday night because it got me, it was it allowed me to get to know him a little bit. Right. And that probably wouldn't happen in too many other spots. So uh, props to see for doing that. I want to jump yeah. real quick into the race tech rant. Use pulp 21 to save race tech, a huge supporter of pulp MX. Obviously checkers, uh, is the, the big guy over there. Uh, let's, let's listen to Steve's rant before we wrap this thing up completely. The, the public tracks, it's insane that these guys go to public tracks to practice for the nationals. I mean, Barsha's out there with fifties and sixties, Adam got in. Adam said he caught some shit because it, there, there was a photo of him that where he pushed this guy like out of this out of a rut, like this guy that looks like me on a bike. He just pushed him out of a rut. Husqvarna at one point said no one could ride public tracks. Remember that? That was a couple yep. years ago. Well, they're back riding public tracks now. So I don't know what happened there. To rent a track is what, John? A thousand bucks? Two thousand bucks? I don't even think it's that much, depending on the day yeah, or that, yeah. the track. So let's go a thousand bucks. Yeah. A thousand bucks to rent a track a day. Yeah. Get uh, three OEMs to type in, throw in three hundred dollars. You'll have a, a groom track or rough. They'll leave it rough if you want. They've certainly done that, and you don't got to worry about fifties and sixties and quads out there. My last broken femur, my second one, was from a guy getting out of my way, right into my way, and I hit him and snapped my femur. So it, that's the scariest part, Steve, is when they are trying to get out of your way. You don't see Lewis Hamilton on the go kart track warming up you don't see you know roger federer doesn't take it to the uh courts uh down the street to start warming up for the for the you just don't see it we got million dollar athletes million dollar programs on the line here and they're out with quads and 50s at glen helen like it makes no sense to me rent the fucking track 
checkers. This one, like, it, if you were to go to somebody that knows zero about moto but is involved with some other type of professional sport, whether it be road racing, NASCAR, or, or whatever, football, like, they probably wouldn't believe you if you told them this is what these factory teams do. It makes – Steve's 100% right. It makes zero sense. There, There is no reason this should be going on. No, it's, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I'm not driving a Geo Metro around Daytona during the NASC, you know, during the 500, you know, <laughs> and that's basically what it's like when there's a 50 rider out there. And, uh, I mean, I get scared when a local pro comes up behind me these days and I've been racing and riding my whole life, let alone a guy that's just started riding and he has blue jeans on out there trying to shred, you know, like <laughs> it's not, it's definitely not safe. And to me, it just seems for even the tracks to put this together, or the OEMs to put it together seems so easy and um, not difficult at all. Because here's the thing. If I'm a rider and I know that Tuesdays at noon to two or noon to three or, you know, whatever times that they set up that all the pros are going to be there, I'm going to go and I'm going to pay to ride. And then I'm going to, when I'm done, I'm going to watch the pros or vice versa. Yeah. If I have that time, you know, and all the people that travel to SoCal all the time that, you know, they go out to Glen Helen or whatever, because they want to see it. Like you're bringing more people to your track by having them there. Plus the track that they will spend some budget on it. And then they get a rough track because all the guys are riding together. You know, it's more like a national condition than they, than they ever get. They don't have dudes in the way. I guess it kind of goes back to that same thing of the only reason I can see them not doing it is because they want to keep things secret, which again is dumb. Like they're not over in your pit seeing what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, seeing what you're changing. Um, they're not seeing, you know, they don't, they don't know exactly, you know, what's going on in your motorcycle. Like it, nothing, there's no reason not to do it. It seems so easy for it to get done um, and make sense. Like the fact that it's not been done is, I guess it's just like a lot of things in the sport that could be shake my head. Uh, yeah. You know, um, that we, we can't get together on anything. Um, it's, it's scary. Do, you know, and I mean, my schedule, I don't, our guys don't want to ride until, you know, in the afternoon, they want to work out in the morning. I want to ride in the morning. You know what? Figure it out. Like <laughs> yeah. they figured it out for press day. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not that difficult. And I think once they did it, you know, they did the, the national test thing at Elsinore before the first national there. And I think they've done it a couple other times um, at Paula and such where it was just, it was like an open, open day. And it wasn't really a media day. It was more of a, I think that Elstone was to actually kind of just check the track out and see what needed to be fixed there. Um, but it's like good quality practice and testing. So you're not going into that first race completely blind. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't want to do it, but no. Um, did you see the, see Steve's social media story today, by the way, about the guy that was in the AC picture? No, I did not. Um, the guy uh, went off on Steve. It's on his uh, Instagram story currently. So anyone that's uh, listening to this right away after should be able to see it. I'll, but the I'm guy is uh, right had some choice words for for Steve, and uh, well, Steve won't be giving him any press anytime soon. We'll put it that way. Wow! <laughs> oh, here we go. I'm looking at. I'm trying to pull it up right now. So uh, bear with me. Um, Wes, yeah, so yeah. he goes. Uh, he oh. says that he is a pro rider um, and belonged on the track with AC at the time. Oh, okay. Um, which means, the only unfortunate part is I haven't seen the photo and I couldn't find it. I want to see this photo of AC Here's what it says. Update on the guy. He's the dude in the photo with AC and thinks, I talk shit on him when I mentioned that photo in reference to pros practicing with amateurs. 
He wants me to know he's pro. He deserves to be out there, and I'm still a scumbag. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Wes, man, I don't know what your <laughs> riding ability is. I know that I'm just an old vet slow rider, and when I've been on the track with a guy like John Short or Ryder Floyd or Van Martin, which is still even below an Eli Tomac, Jason Anderson, it's scary as shit for me. It is not fun because I never know when these guys are going to go blowing by me, and I may not stay in my line because – I'm just hanging on for dear life and like, it's just not fun. I don't, I would not want to be on the track with those guys, let alone them wanting to be on the track with me. I I can't even fathom in my heyday, which was uh, very 15 years ago when I was actually uh, decently fast. Yeah. I can't even imagine being on the track with them then much less now. So nope. yeah, if I see, if I saw one fast dude get out there, I, I was with the checkers a few months or uh, last month up in uh, Riverside raceway and, uh, Someone was like, yeah, let's come out on the pro practice. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, I belong in the – I now belong in the beginner practice. Yeah, I'm same. completely fine with that. My, my wheels now stay on the ground for the most part. Okay. And I refuse to be out there with anybody that's that fast. Absolutely. All right. All right. We're almost done. couple very quick things. JT and his comfortable clo- clothes for the international flights, Wes – <laughs> uh, man, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not as drastic about it as Steve is, but I'm not. Also, I don't think I'm changing. I'm, I'm Mike, <laughs> I love what Steve said. I'm in my comfortable clothes. Hell yeah. I'm either I'm either rolling in like that or I'm not at all. I don't know that I've ever gone full comfy on an yeah. international flight ever. I, I normally wear jeans to stay warm and a jacket. I'm not bringing uh, jammies. But, uh, <laughs> no. Hey, you know, the East Road. I, I, I was the whole time I'm thinking, like, where do you go to put these on? Like, a bathroom is pretty damn small. I can't imagine undressing and like all the piss on the floor. Like you're going <laughs> right. to put your jammies on and like walk out. And then what? Maybe. Like you just holding your, like your folded pants. Like what the hell JT? I don't know, dude. I don't know. Maybe when you're balling like them, maybe the international flights have a bigger bathroom and like, yeah, I- well, here's the, here's the thing. I know on like those Australia fights, you could rent like the, it's a twenty five thousand dollar ticket each way. I think where you get your own little room. Oh hell no! Like are those are they fucking balling like that? Holy shit! Like what what am I doing wrong? Well, if you're doing that, like, then you I could just be naked, <laughs> right? Like I don't, that's the only thing I can fathom is like they got their own little room changing, and and, and here I am riding in freaking coach. Yeah, no, I'm 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 with Steve. I'm staying in my my dicky shorts and my t shirt. I'm I'm good. But uh, checkers, <laughs> you wear you wearing the PJs that the the flight provides, or are you staying stock? Well, I mean, I'm staying, but I can just picture myself trying to change and falling out the bathroom door and going <laughs> down the aisle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. You guys, either of you believe that JT is out for fantasy for outdoors checkers? Um, I mean, we're close to it now. I think the deadline's tonight for, for industry idiots. I think he's legit out on the industry idiots. I think he'll still play. Yeah, um, okay. But he won't be playing for money, so he won't be so passionate about it. I think he's, you know, he was very determined not to do it for Supercross. Yep. And I know I do believe that they will sign him up. <laughs> on their own? <laughs> on their own. I don't yeah. think that, but I don't think he's willingly doing it. I think they're going to sign him up no matter what. Okay. I, I can see that. But I don't think he signs up. I think he's, uh, I think he's he's going to do it, which is crazy because he had a pretty good Supercross season, you know. So you almost think that would fuel him back into okay. Well, I'm I'm doing pretty well. This is still pretty good. But, yeah. Uh, 
You've probably been in the press box with him a few times to see the rage firsthand, huh? Oh man, yeah. We 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 were having a, a good three way discussion at Salt Lake City on well, actually it's four way because Dan Truman was up there too, and I, I gave my opinion on John Short because he had crashed in press, and it's like, nope, I'm out, and it was going back and forth, and yeah, I got told I was an idiot on a couple of things and way to go dark side and on some picks and yeah. So it was, and then I ended up picking John short and I think he crashed out if I'm not mistaken or barely got any points anyway. But um, yeah, I was up there. JT was pretty calm this year. Most of the times I saw him, but I've seen him pretty wound up in the, at, at other times. Uh, I do have to point out, I thought it was very entertaining when they tried to play the X brand tear offs opening, uh, intro and there was no audio and Steve was getting on to uh, tits and it was Steve's fault. I love that. That, that made. Yeah. Steve, Steve sucks. Are we back to that? Yeah. 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 Steve sucks. Yeah. Way to go. Uh, but anyway, but hey, I want to give a quick thanks to Nick still Trent Marr and Steve Hall, who all helped me with uh, timestamps. They help me every week with timestamps on things that stand out to them in the show that I can go and pull audio if I don't happen to catch that or whatever. It's it's cool to get outside views on things that maybe somebody else thinks was really entertaining. And, you know, maybe to me at that moment on Monday night, it wasn't something that stood out. So I appreciate those guys for always helping me out every week. I once again want to thank motorsport.com, Guts Racing, Michelin Bicycle Tires, and Seal Savers, along with all the other sponsors, including X-Brand Goggles, Race Tech, Skosh, go to pulpamexshow.com, check the or click on the sponsored deals tab. There are links, there are discount codes for most of the pulp sponsors. Support them, support the shows that you love. If you don't see a discount code or a link, email contact at pulpamexshow.com. Steve will try to help you out if he can. Um, other than that, uh, Wes, anything before we go? No, but I love I love that mission. As checkers know, support those who support the sport. So yep. I'll reinforce that, and uh, I love I, I love it. Well, keep doing what you guys are doing. Uh, we love Verb Moto. We love the Moto Spy. Uh, I think those are some of the most insightful, badass uh, you know sh- YouTube segments I, videos I've ever seen. I, lo- I love. I love Moto Spy now that it's over. How about that? Well, I'll I know. Be, I'll give you that. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed, man. I can't wait for him to be back. Let's go bigger and well, bigger. Thank you. Yeah, we 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 do have a lot of fun with it, and uh, he shout out to my whole crew because it takes uh, it takes an army, just like you said to, to your guys. Like having having uh, quite the crew in my corners is yeah. what accomplishes that, and uh, it's very fun to do, and it's it's awesome to work at such an elite level in in our, the media of our sport. So. Definitely a dream come true from a, a kid running around with a camera 15 years ago. I can only imagine. Well, I appreciate you coming on the wrap-up show. Checkers, anything from you? Oh, thank you for having me. I always enjoy it. It's uh, good to catch up with Little Wes for a little while. And, um, no, I, I appreciate it. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, appreciate it. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, inputs, uh, anything negative, I don't care. Send it. Anything for Hello Pookie, I promise I'm getting back to those soon. <laughs> Hit me up at darkside <laughs> at pulpmx.com. Uh, other than that, that's a wrap. We're out of here. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?
see you.